crap. Aw, oh, crap. They're evil. That's signs of evil. Now it's gonna act evil, so. That's like saying you can out-act the paper bag. Dead now. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again. The world famous. Yeah, that are hatched from a dead rooster. Where they say, make my day, I'm the worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Proper baby, buggy puppers. Lazarus, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. The legendary Mark McKenna, welcome to the show. Yay. 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 Thanks, that's, guys. That's the best we can do, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Roundtable show. Hey, if you could draw anything for Big Two, man, what would your dream project be? I would love to draw She Hulk right here on PSA. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's uh, reincarnation of the of the Roundtable Show with myself, Zod Ryder, the Jackal, and Johnny Alpha. We are together again. Yo! After, after a nice five-year hiatus, we are back on the air. The three amigos ride again. Three amigos. In the same studio, sounding wonderful. That makes, that makes Zod Ryder Martin Short, though. He's totally... Yes. Yeah. Your little Ned Niederlander. <laughs> so what? That would make me what? A Chevy Chase? Chevy yeah, Chase. you're Chevy Chase, and I'm Steve Martin, and that's awesome. That makes sense. <laughs> and next hour, we're going to be joined by the one and only Jason Justice, aka El Guapo. Mm-hmm. Yep. He would be El Guapo right now. <laughs> Our serial killer superhero friend is going to be joining us. That's always awesome. Yes, indeed. Indeed, and we're not talking that... about we're not talking about donkey penises tonight either. So that's God knows. Mm. Why did you know. bring it up? Now I'm going to have to just go ahead and start talking about the dolphin vaginas, man, because oh, like God. one leads to the other, and we're just going to end up doing um, what was it called? Cyber love talk with three thirty-year-old men. That that's sexy. People are going to want that, so we should just keep. We should just do that instead. Fuck movie news. <laughs> are you bullshitting me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Must be bullshitting me, but you know what's not bullshitting, guys. We're gonna get to uh, to this at the end of the hour. Uh, the top ten list this uh, evening is gonna be hella sweet. Uh, we have the top ten prequels or seek or prequels TV shows or movies, whichever you know you can mix and match. It doesn't matter. Whatever you like the best that it's a prequel. But the number one rule is it has to be a prequel, meaning that. It has to come before a movie that came out originally. Like, for example, you know, a cheap one would be like, say, Child's Play 2. And I say, oh, Child's Play 1 is a prequel to Child's Play 2. doesn't work that way. No, no. Because Child's Play 1, you know, theatric, theatrically came well, out first. Well, so. God, well, Godfather 2 is a prequel to, God, no, to the Godfather. No, but it's not. It's, it's not. It, no, it's not. It's a regular sequel, but it has flashbacks to The Godfather 1 before the events of Godfather 1. So some people say, oh, it's kind of like a prequel, but it's not really. Because it yeah. starts off as a sequel, ends as a sequel. It just has those flashback sequences. Yeah, majority so. of the film is about Michael Corleone building his empire and like having to go to South America and stuff. So it's it's not a prequel. I mean, it has elements of one, I guess, because you get to see young Vito, but... That's oh, it, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Flashback, but that does not count. That's a cheap That's a cheap prequel. That's not a prequel. Yeah, it's a... It's a that's, yeah. that's cheap. That's cheap. A prequel is a movie that came out after the original one came out, and it was telling the events of 
you know, what happened before that original film. So that's going to be our top ten list tonight. And, of course, we also have the top ten box office results for the weekend. And we have a lot of surprises with that, including the number one movie, which uh, we're all really excited about and eager to go see. And it's not doing very well, guys, and it's kind of a, a sad uh, thing uh, because uh, it's, uh, it looks like it's an amazing movie. I haven't seen it yet. And, of course, I'm talking about Blade Runner 2049. I know you guys are blown away by this movie, and, you know, let's jump right into it. I mean, you, you guys saw it already, right? Yeah. You want to you wanna just try to take turns doing a little review? You want to go first, Odd? Go well, ahead. I mean, I mean, we could collaborate on it. I mean, I, all I have to say is I think it was a wonderful movie. I don't want to give away any spoilers because, I mean, it did just come out. Um, but it, I think it's – I thought it was fantastic. And it was worthy of the original film. I, I really – the visuals alone make the movie oh, a must-see. Regardless of how you feel about science fiction, fantasy, whatever, or with, about Blade Runner in general, that was one of the things about the original Blade Runner that was uh, revolutionary for the time, uh, like in 82, that that movie was tech, technology. It just blew everybody away with its visuals. They, and they got we have the CGI, same thing here. <laughs> they got CGI heavy movies that come out left and right that don't look as good as that old matte painted masterpiece. So in the story, Blade Runner still holds up visually. And this prequel, Dennis Velarube, just, oh, my God, he took it to another level. I mean, just that opening scene where he, he's just flying and you get to see, like, what outside of L.A. looks like in the future. Right. And he's going to Deacon Batista's house. Oh, dude, it just started out just so beautiful. And then I like the, the subtle changes to the soundtrack. I really like that really just dumping music that kind of came in the important scenes. I mean, it was a little bit of a dumbed down of like, hey, something important is going to happen. But I mean, it, it really just puts you in the, the right mindset because it's just this jarring noise that comes out of nowhere. Oh, just the, the light tricks that he did. I mean, like a lot of the really neat visuals was just light on a wall. But it just, oh, God, it just looks so amazing. The one thing I had a problem with is they dumbed down some of it to try to get general audience people to like it better, which put me off a little bit. And I thought Jared Leto's character completely did not fit with the rest of the film. But luckily, he's only in the movie for about three minutes. He's got two scenes. Well, he's in I it less think, than he was Suicide I, I Squad. Think, I, think, uh, I think Jared Leto offered an interesting character. I think he's going to be a big part of wherever they decide to go if they decide to make another film. Ah, uh, he was a weak bad guy. I liked I liked the female replicant. He kind of reminded me way better. You know what he reminded me of? But he had the intellectualism of like say how like they, like they took like Rudger Hauer's character from the original and they they split the you know the physicality of the character and the intellectualism of the character between the between the chick and Jared Leto and they kind of gave you like a bit of that, which is kind of what I saw with that. And I saw Jared Little as being more of a, he's trying to, he thinks he's, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but ultimately he is a villain throughout, but it's just, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a problem with his character, to be honest with you. See, I, 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 him and his all his religious talk. It just seemed like he seemed like a bad character from a, a, an anime, like one of the bad bubblegum crisis runs, like um. What was that he one? Did. You know, I'll, I'll give you and, that. And, I'll and, give you that. He had an anime and, feel to him. He really and, did. And I like that Tyrell. He had a, a godlike presence to him, and 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 thought of himself as such in the first film. But he was just kind of a 
old curmudgeon guy that thought he was above everyone else. Jared Leto and his weird blind Jesus guy creating angels and all and his rhetoric. It just bored me. It bugged me. It was I, I just didn't think he was needed. I, I think that the movie should have just been the chick talking to somebody on the phone. And if they do make a sequel and they want a Jared Leto for it, have him show up in that and be like, oh, I'm pissed. They killed my hot assassin chick. I'm going to walk around in my watery room blind as hell and talk about angels. I, I don't know. I just – he just didn't seem needed to me. I thought that he kind of distracted from oh, just the great well, did portrayal. You see, now, 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 did you see the short film about his character that was released prior to the movie? They did it. There's a short – there were a bunch of short films, and one of them was an anime. I think there were three or four short films leading up to this – leading up to 2049 that helped fill it out a little better. I've only ever watched the first trailer for it because I didn't want to know shit about it because one of the things I loved about the first Blade Runner is its vagueness and ambiguity of what the entire film meant. If Decker was a replicant, all that stuff. I mean, it almost had a David Lynch movie type feel to it with all the fans making up their own theories of what it all meant. Even Ridley Scott changed his own opinion on what his own film meant like three times. So the fact that this movie kind of had this just completely – just out there narrative that you understand everything that happened and it's it, it let me down in a few places but it's still the best movie i've seen this year so far from hollywood at least and um oh man ryan gosling i hate to say this he's going to force me to become a fan of his i don't want to like the guy but jesus does he just have a just a knack for playing these kind of just emotionally disconnected psychopaths to just completely make you care about them and root for them. <laughs> I, I mean, he fit, I mean, he fit perfectly. There was no, I mean, seeing him in this role, it was like he was born to play this character. It was perfect. It was made to play a killer Android that snuffs his own kind and doesn't even think about why until something happens to him. And it, it, it's contrived. I've actually seen that story so many times in comic books, but just his depiction of it set it above the rest and just kind of really sold. Yeah, it, it was like they tried to do it in Terminator Salvation, too, but they completely failed. It didn't make sense. But here it's like, <laughs> wow, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was done so well. Well, I can't wait to see this movie. A quick question, guys. Have you seen the movie already? And this is something that struck me as you guys are speaking here. Uh, why is it that Jared Leto is starting to become that guy that they use only like sporadically in these movies when uh, he's a very good actor, and I think it's kind of like not taking full advantage of having an actor like that of his caliber on uh, one of these movies. Like This is the same thing I heard uh, pre-watching the uh, Suicide Squad, and then when I saw it, I'm like, man, he's hardly in that. And uh, from the sounds of it, he's going to be hardly in this also. Well, the thing about this one is he's over the top. I mean, like, this is kind of some of his... Well, he was over the top of Suicide Squad, also as the Joker. I mean, he's over well, the well, top but character. This, but this is, a, this is a different kind of movie. This ain't Suicide Squad. He ain't dressed up like a clown that's killing a common for saying calling his girlfriend a bitch. In this, he is like this genius that creates androids that can basically do anything besides a pro, um, have children. And that's what he wants to unlock. But, like, He's just, I don't know, he didn't sell me on it. He was way over the top. He was almost on the level of being corny to me. And I'm kind of happy that he wasn't really in this film because, like I said, he completely um, distracted me from what else was going on when he, the two times he did show up. That's interesting. It's almost like, in a sense, it may be something that he's doing himself as an actor. Well, a lot of people think he's a real big dick and don't actually want to work with him too often, from what I understand. That's why you I mean, don't see him in too much. 
Yeah, I mean, because I mean, when they cast somebody, especially that he's an Oscar winner, when you cast somebody like that in, in any kind of movie, especially a comic book movie or a sequel to an old '80s, you know, sci-fi movie, you know, any kind of these movies, you you know, you put you put an A-list actor like that in there, you want to kind of have him as much as possible in the film, and it's it's shocking that he's being used so little, considering he just came off an Oscar a few years ago and and stuff, so, I mean, that's a little bit shocking, but either way, I'm, I'm excited to see this movie, I'm going to try to see it this week, uh, shame on me for not taking the chance to see it this weekend, uh, but it's it's not doing well, we'll get to that, you know, later on, but great review, you guys, I mean. You, you'll, you'll like it, Jackal, I mean, it's definitely one of Harrison Ford's best performances I've seen in years, I've always, um, I know you're going to fight with me, but Deckard <laughs> was always my favorite character that he ever played, and he steps back into the character better than he did as Han Solo in The Force Awakens. And you know, and you know, I, I agree with you. That I agree with you there, Johnny. But here's the thing about about that too. There, that a lot of people are complaining that that Harrison Ford's role in this movie was as minimal as Jared Leto's role in the movie. And I, I look at it like, hey, Deckard had a big role. Deckard was a part of this movie the whole time. Yeah, he just had to watch was... the movie. His presence was known throughout the film. It wasn't like you just, although they, his, had, the, he, they he, had the audio clips and then like he shows up and he's in the entire, like what, last hour and a last half of the film? Last hour and a half of the film. This is a long movie. This is, this movie is two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. So this is a wow. long film. I think people just lose sight of it because the first, you know, first hour or so, yeah, he's not in it. But you're right. He's he's sprinkled throughout. And, I mean, even, uh, what was her name? The the woman that played his love interest in the original Blade Runner. What was oh, her name? Sean Young. Young. Ra- Rachel. She was even in it. Yeah. As, a, as a minor spoiler for people, she managed to keep herself out of the out of all the promotional stuff saying that she wasn't in it, that they never came to her. She Not was a minor spoiler. You just give away a major spoiler from the sounds of it. Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, it's not. It, she, she has less time in the film than Jared Leto does, and it's, a, it, it's, it's kind it's, of a, it's a cruel scene, and it's, um, it doesn't matter much to the overall story of the film. Right, it's just but, something but just the bad guy does. Yeah. Edward James almost is also up in there, man. And they got him full of That was gangster. That was gangster. But yeah. question: uh, Do they de-age her at all for her scene, or does she, she looked older in the scene? No, they oh. absolutely uh, de-age her for her scene. So yeah, she looks she's young again, right? She looks exactly like she did in the first movie. They even got her in the nice. same dress. It, it, it's a trick that they try to play in a part of the film. And it's it's cool though. It it it, it works. It's a it's a it's a very powerful scene, and I think you're I think anybody who's a fan of of Blade Runner will love seeing it. I was impressed by um, nice. Dave Batista. I mean, I <laughs> oh him. yeah, hilarious. But do he actually showed me that he can do a dramatic performance? And also when he is dribbling Ryan Gosling off that wall, choking him, just bam bam, and finishes him through that wall. That's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a film. I think the one problem I had with Harrison Ford is I think he may have punched Ryan Gosling about five times too many in their little fight. It got a little corny watching the old man just sock the hell out of Ryan Gosling. But, but... the fact that Ryan Gosling's character is so his his android is so much more, is so much stronger than Harrison Ford, so he could take it, you know, so he's, many times. He's just like, okay, we can keep this going or we can have a drink. And, Look. and he's like Roy Beatty. He's like um, Red 
Edgar Howard, he almost likes the pain. Is kind of how I got from his character because, like, he's just like, okay, dude, you stabbed me. I'm gonna have to glue that up later, but you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna kill you now. And so, I mean, it's like, <laughs> right, right. He did, he did have a lot of Rudger Hauer in him too, which was pretty awesome. Buddy. By the way, we are live, guys. Uh, you know, people are asking. We're live. Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, live radio. Uh, if you want to call in, we just had a missed call. My bad on that. Eh? I missed the call. Uh, so three four seven. You want to call in? Go for it. Uh, we are uh, live uh, on the uh, Roundtable Show. Just want to let everybody know. And again, the number is 786-245-8127. That's going to be awful when we actually play this repeat and you're saying that. People are going to be trying to call Yes. In. Well, no, see, what I'll do at that point is I'll, I'll edit it out, and you, you will never hear this. Oh. <laughs> it's never been redacted. Heard. We came in and we, we marked it out with a black marker like the government does. Exactly. Pow, pow. Yeah. Now, moving on, uh, you know, the trailer for Justice League uh, just hit the net also. And I just saw it. Uh, did you guys uh, have a chance to take a look at this thing yet or no? Yep. I checked it out. Now, uh, I want to start with you. What did you think of it? Because, you know, my uh, thoughts on Justice League and this whole DCEU has uh, kind of been out there already. And uh, I'm not a fan, of course. But I know you guys are a little bit more of fans than I am. So. Uh, what are your thoughts? But before we do, we get to that, hold on. We're, we're getting a caller. Let's see if this is the same caller. Caller, you're live on the show. Hey, what's good with you, big man? Playboy, what's going on with everybody? Oh, who's this, K1? This is he. I am he. Oh, oh, what's up, K1? Holy crap, you actually called in. <laughs> right. Good man. Well, actually, we were just asking the question about the uh, Justice League trailer, and uh, let's uh, get to uh, the answer here real quick. Uh, but uh, before we actually get to it, do you have any questions that uh, you want to jump in real quick with? Uh, not really. I, I mean, I got a couple of things for, the, I guess, rapid fire. We can go on later, but uh, anything rapid that fire, first comes to mind, well, I, I guess... <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's a rapid fire. That's that shit on ESPN. We didn't do rapid fire, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't I mean, seen that. I mean, uh, I, when I mean rapid fire, I mean a playful jousting. You know, just exchanging information here and there, or whatnot. But uh, is anybody? Well, who else is? Well, let me first and foremost, like always, let me just say I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity on the platform to even express myself. It's been some time since I did one of these, so. Forgive me if I'm a little rattled or, or discontested. I'm just saying I'm just calling in off of the whim. Uh, is anybody else with you tonight? Like just the normal round table or no? Yeah, this, uh, yeah. we have uh, Zod Ryder, we have Johnny Alpha, myself, the Jackal, and we're going to have Jason, uh, Jason Justice in the uh, second hour. But, uh, before we can move on to, uh, you know, to your uh, segment here, because, uh, you know, I'm going to give you an entire platform if you can talk for a minute, because I, I know you want to get something off your chest. Uh, but I wanted to actually uh, get to this question that I had before you called in, because I didn't expect you to actually call in. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're about to talk real quick about the trailer for Justice League, and I wanted to get Zod and Johnny's opinion on it, and then I'm just going to give my opinion, and then we'll can, you know, segue to you. And you can give your opinion on it if you want, K1. Uh, Zod, what are your thoughts on the trailer? The way you know the way uh, just uh, aired and what you saw. I'm excited for the movie. As you know, I'm a fan. I support uh, the DCU in its current configuration. I like the fact that Joss Whedon appears <laughs> to be bringing a a lighter sheen to the to the overall. Uh, story. It does definitely look by the trailers that the tone has kind of come down a bit from the overly 
dark undertones of uh, Batman v Superman. I, you know, I'm excited for the trailer. I'm I'm looking forward to the movie almost as much as I am uh, as the, the Last Jedi. Almost as much as I was looking forward to uh, Blade Runner. So I'm excited. I'm you know I can't really be too critical because again these are just trailers and they're they're going for you know a lot of lighter moments. So it's hard to really gauge anything from it. I was actually expecting something a little deeper from the trailer, the way they were hyping it up, <laughs> but. Ultimately, you know, it's just, it's just, like I said, it just looks like it's going to be a fun, popcorny Avengers type, uh, movie with DC characters. That's kind of what it looks like now. And right? no depth into it. Uh, Johnny, what's your thought on the trailer? Um, well, Cyborg's kind of looking a bit better. In the earlier trailers, he kind of looked like he was made out of stock, um, CGI from the Sci Fi channel. Um, I don't know. The best I can hope for out of this is it to be at least on the Suicide Squad level of just ham and cheese schlock that I can like think of as a, a bad movie in the best way possible. It looks like there might be some decent performances. Jason Momoa, as much as I don't like Aquaman, he looks like he's going to be fun as hell in the movie. I think Ezra Miller is actually surprising me a bit with his little clips from The Flash that I've seen. And the fact that they're still keeping Superman out of the trailers works for me, but... um. I don't know. I know he's going to show up in it, and I'm going to hate it after that. So, um, yeah, no. Well, I, Cyborg, I Cyborg well, he's, is he's in, yeah, but, but Superman is in the dream. Oh, I'm about Superman is in the dream sequence in the beginning of the, the new trailer. True. So, yeah, but, but, but Cyborg also, is looking better. That's that's that's. The nicest and there thing was I one say. other thing. There was one other thing, Johnny. I want to say in term in combination with you said. What do you guys think about what Danny Elfman has said in which he's bringing back classic uh, yes. themes into the films? He's going to I don't meaning, care. Meaning the Elfman Batman theme and the John Williams Superman Superman theme. theme. Which, by the way, Zadi, and you know this because you saw my recut of Man of Steel. What's the one element that I added to that movie which you everybody said, "Oh man, that actually makes it a little bit better." Adding the John, John Williams, Williams theme to the yeah. to, to the film, and it was <laughs> slightly. And slight little pieces and parts, I didn't add it everywhere. It wasn't like, you know, all just John Williams, you know, score. No, just a couple of different parts in the movie, which if you added, it would have made it so much more enjoyable. Like the first flight sequence of Superman, if you had the John Williams score to that sequence, where he's, you know, flying for the first time, my goodness, I mean, that would have just made it so much more epic. Of course, it, you could have added the greatest American hero theme, too, and you still would have had something cool. It would have been, added, even that would have been more epic. You could have added yes. the theme from the He-Man movie, and it would have sounded epic, because that was just a John Williams Superman ripoff. Now that I think about it, but it still would have been worked better than what they had in Man of Steel. And uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Look, I, I saw the trailer and uh, it looks good. I mean, but like, the thing is, the, the other trailers all look good in, in their own way. They all had great visuals. Man of Steel looked good in, in, you know, in trailer form. It had some decent visuals. Uh, this has great visuals. You know, Zack Snyder has never been, uh, if anything, a good director for when it comes to cinematography and getting the action sequences done right. That's not his problem as a director. His directing issues has always been getting character development, the depth of the character, the depth of the storyline, weaving a coherent storyline that makes sense. Uh, you know, casting has always been a, a big issue with him. He doesn't know how to cast characters properly. I mean, those are different inherited issues. Can he paint a perfect picture? No. But can he paint a pretty picture? Damn right. And the trailer kind of proves that. He paints a pretty picture scene by scene by scene. But 
a lot of it is already kind of damaged because you have bad casting in a lot of places. I will say this though, Ezra Miller, uh, it looks, he looks like it's gonna be a funny Flash, uh, which is kind of what the Flash is in the comics and in, in cartoons anyway. He's kind of a funny character. So he's gotten that part of, of the character, you know, right. But again, you know, why have another incarnation of the Flash when you have him on TV and he's playing the same exact character but the two different versions of the character and they're completely different? I mean, they, that's gonna like really confuse some audiences. Uh, so that kind of, that was stupid to begin with. It's like Earth 1, Earth 2 in my right, opinion. Right, I understand that, yeah, but the, the common audience doesn't understand that. Now, what I do like, if they do go that route, and eventually they start connecting all these different Earths, and they have, like, the multiverse, and they have the flag, if they actually go that route, then I'll accept it a little bit more, and I'll be like, alright, you know, I, I can accept that. One thing that actually kind of, like, uh, intrigued me recently, and I don't know if you guys heard this, was Tom Welling actually said he's interested in, the, in going on The Flash and playing maybe Superman on The Flash. Remember, he wasn't interested in really doing it on Supergirl because he said his character didn't really fit into that universe or that world. Think about this. You have a Superman for Supergirl. Say Tom Willing could play Clark Kent Superman on this Flash. You have him on his own Smallville. You have him on that Flash. Then you have Henry Cavill in the movies. If they can unite all the universes, TV and cinema, and one day make you know make a, a movie that kind of unites every everything, that would be really epic. That would be something that I think would, it would be it would, worthy. Mi- it would mirror the comic books because essentially right. you would have an, multiversity. A, a, a multiversity-like crisis type event that would that would bring everything together in that way and that that would be epic really that is something if if they go that route and they and they actually do that then i'm all in and i'll start supporting you know this dcu but until then but they have to start making good movies first of all because let's let's be honest men of steel was shit yeah it looked great on the surface but it was shit uh, Batman vs. Superman was just a, a horrible movie. There was something even close to being endearing about that movie. And I understand that Zack Snyder, uh, you know, had personal issues with this movie. And I hope, you know, and I'm talking about family issues, you know, what happened with his daughter and everything. I hope that didn't influence the filming of the movie. Uh, you know, I hope that didn't influence the, you know, what he was doing and working on. Um, I hope that, you know, with Joss Whedon coming in here and kind of like taking over the reins, that he could, you know, you know, really mold this into something that we're all going to love. Because he is a fantastic director. And I even said when he did the Avengers, um, I said that he actually feels more like a DC director. Back then I said he feels more like a DC director than a Marvel director. And he brought his kind of sense of humor, sensibilities, and, like, you know, his style to, to the Marvel Universe, and it worked. You know, I always was intrigued. I always wanted to see him do, like, maybe a Batman movie or, or something like that. And now him actually taking over this and maybe doing Batgirl, that's interesting to me. That's something that I can follow because he is a, a fantastic director, and I'm excited to see him and what he can do for DC. Hopefully now they can start actually making good movies, which is all I want for the DC Universe. Uh, yeah. Now, K1, what are your thoughts on the trailer? Yeah, I know you saw it. A legitimate thoughts, or, or, or you want me to go in and just be all haywired? Um, well, legitimate I mean, thoughts, like, like, like I said, you know, I enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was a good trailer, had good visuals from, you know, for me. I, that, 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 that's something Zack Snyder's always going to knock out of the park. I'm intrigued, and some of it works. The trailer itself it was kind of a letdown for me. I'm just going to say that it was a little bit of a letdown uh, because it didn't really like build as much at hype as I wanted to, and it showed a little bit too much, kind of like the Batman versus Superman, right. which showed way too much. Uh, this one's showing a little bit too much. I don't want to see so much of what's going to happen. I want to be blown away in theaters. But that's my take. You know, like, give me your take like that. Um, well, like I said, um, I've, you know you know me, I've never been a fan of 
not his vision in the past. I was like everybody else. I was with the pitchforks and 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 everything else coming for his head. But yep, I, I've always said from day one, the biggest thing that Warner Brothers have to do as a film studio, as as a conglomerate as it is, is to make make a product that's highly distinguishable from the competitor. I didn't, unlike most, I didn't mind the dark tone if it was necessary in order to you know propel the story into new heights. My only thing at this point is that. It feels like it's, it's a, a lot of things don't they don't feel organic. A lot of things feels forced. The humor is the levity is there, and that's a great thing. But I have to see how it plays out in the context of the film. Um, in terms of the characterizations, I don't know. I'm not the biggest uh, DC aficionado, so I, the little that I know of Batman here and there. I mean, I've read Batman in the past, a lot of stuff in the '90s or whatnot, but I'm not familiar with a lot of the, the pre-crisis and post-crisis stuff. A lot of stuff. I caught up on throughout the years. I mean, I remember things here and there, but again, I can't go in there with that tunnel vision and, and analyze and be like, okay, this this character was on point or whatever that. And, but I'm just looking at it from a performance aspect and from some aspect and everything else, and it and it looks okay. Um, you guys know me. What I've said before about Man of Steel and Cavill, I thought Cavill did what he could with the material that he was given. I, I never thought he was a, a I, you know, I, ne- I never thought I never thought he was a, you know a crappy actor. He's a shit actor. Yeah. Well, to me, <laughs> I, I thought I thought that you know not for nothing the material was deficient. I thought if he was given better material, um, you could have got something very 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 special, very profound. Um, what kind of contributions Whedon is going to give in the long run? I don't know. Is he going to be the one of the master master architects going forward with the DCEU or whatever allegedly is called these days? I don't know. I just think you got to do it one film at a time as a building block. Build a build a better foundation, and see what comes from that. Um, you know, do I have any projections of the movie? What I think it's going to do overall in like long term box office? I don't know. It could make a billion and be crappy. It could make eight hundred million and be a masterpiece. To me, it's all about the, the potency of the story and quality of the material, the characters, how to utilize, and everything like that. Just take it a movie at a time. So right right now, if I was to judge it. Grade wise, it's it's a step above mediocre. It's better. It's you know, it has a little bit more heart, a little bit more heroism than the last couple of trailers. All the trailers look good, you know, aesthetically they looked incredible. But I think um, you know, Warner Brothers got a lot of lot of work to do going forward, you know, and um, you know, but you know, that's not the reason why I called it. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll get to that in a second. But you know, it's funny. I'm gonna. I'm going to piggyback on that real quick because, you know, you make a good point there. But, uh, you know, I, I said this uh, earlier on another show here on uh, this uh, same show a few shows back, uh, that this movie is very critical for the uh, for the future of DCEU or whatever the hell the name is because that's not even officially what they're calling it. I don't know what the hell they're calling it. Uh, allegedly. I don't know. Yeah, allegedly is what it's called. Maybe not. Who the hell knows? Uh, but, you know, this movie is very critical because, you know, they're already talking about doing stuff that is not in this current uh, timeline, meaning they're really thinking about ways to ditch this current incarnation of the DCEU if this movie doesn't work. And I said it before, look, Suicide Squad made money, but it was, you know, didn't really get... Schloth. It was pure so, schloth. So well, it didn't get great... Hold on, but it didn't get... Great, yeah, but it didn't, didn't, didn't get greater fans. Hold on, let me finish making a point, Bill. You're in a jack. Hold on. Can I Can I make a point? Hold on. I don't want to be a David Ayer apologist, but at the end of the day, 
the final cut which you got with Suicide Squad wasn't his original vision. Everybody knows after. I understand, yeah, Dawn but that's not, that's not the point. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make box office wise, and I'm trying to trying to make it like uh, critically acclaimed and fan acclaimed. The movie wasn't exactly you know heralded as the best movie in the world. Fans liked it. Some fans did. Some didn't. It did okay at the box office, but it didn't bring the return they thought it would. Batman vs Superman had the same kind of effect where some fans liked it, most didn't like it. It didn't bring it to box office. Let's be honest, Batman vs Superman should have been a billion dollar movie, and it wasn't. Uh, and that itself tells you a lot because anything you put Batman in, everybody said, "Oh, you can put Batman and Superman on the big screen together." Doesn't matter what it is, it's going to be a, a billion dollar movie. It's Batman and Superman, and it wasn't. Okay, so that it is very telling in the fact that these movies have not been received well by the audience. So here, yeah, this movie we, is... We hold on, but fair, let me finish. Be don't, don't, one regard, yeah, but don't cut me off, so, dude. Okay. This is not Black Talk Radio. Don't cut me off. Give me a second here. Let me finish the point. <laughs> this movie is critical in a sense that this movie has to perform not only well, it has to overperform at the box office and it has to gain the popularity of the fans and the critics for it to continue forward. If not, I already said it. Warner Brothers is going to start looking for ways to ditch this universe and even they can continue Wonder Woman as a standalone uh, property if they want to at this point. They don't have to connect it with, it with anything else if they don't want to. Uh, they could just you know, continue that by itself. Hell, Batman is going through so many rewrites that if this movie fails, they could fire Ben Affleck in two months and just you know do an entire spinoff or something completely different with the Batman movie. And, uh, you know, that could happen with a lot of these other properties. So, you know, they're talking about doing a Joker that has something to do with this continuity whatsoever. Uh, a movie about the Joker that wouldn't even have Jared Leto in it. They're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio. Caprio playing that Joker. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that is going on in Warner Brothers right now. So, this movie has to be a big, massive hit for them to continue this storyline. If not, oh. yeah, it's, okay. it, it might be it might be dead. And that's so you maybe know, that's, that's why, why they're why they're thinking of like threading together the Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of thing because they feel like if this fails, we got to have a back door to get rid of right. all this and the way to do that would be a big crisis like story that exactly. could be epic that could do what we were talking about earlier tie everything together make this like an earth 2 or an alternative earth of some sort and go from there exactly well I and wanted I to say one thing before you segue into the, the, I don't mean to cut you off anything. go ahead, I, go ahead. I wanted to say in terms of I think we, and because I'm looking at this po this you know post uh, box office of this weekend, and a lot of movies outside of the realm of, of comic book uh, properties are you know underperforming. So if Warner Brothers is in a position, because I've heard this this statement already that they're trying to de-emphasize the idea of of kind of utilizing the shared universe concept, move to more standalones. My thing is like this: you can do a strong standalone and still keep it in the thread of a big universe. Just make one good, compelling film at the time. And when I mean compelling film, I mean a film that embraced all the attributes of make comic books what they are, and at the same time, indoctrinate a lot of people that's maybe not that familiar, just like Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, to me, is a bit overrated, but it did the job that I think it was supposed to do. You know, it got everybody involved and invested in the character. Uh, overlooked, Gail Cadet's shortcomings as an actress, I mean, be that at me, it made, you know what I'm saying? And everybody went and she's the best thing since sliced bread. If you if you kind of replicate that for every character, you can get a strong, vibrant, cohesive uh, DC film universe. All you need is one step at a time. If you want, because if comic book movies look like they're here to stay, I mean, they look like they're here to compete, that's what everybody's gravitating towards. 
just make it quality over quantity and, 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 and everything will rectify itself. I don't think you have to do a standalone feature to where you feature other characters because that, that leaves room for confusion and, and continuity, all the issues. And, and, and people get confused as it is watching these movies. So you got to keep it simple and direct, but, but very, very, you know what I'm saying? This, this is very potent when it comes to the storytelling. So I disagree with that for them kind of going back and making me stand alone. That's, that's, that's not the solution to the problem. That's not the ultimate uh, solution. Just make it a, a movie at a time and everything will fix itself. Yeah, but you're I still going in the same direction. You're still going to go and make a movie at a time, which is a stand alone no, movie. No, but, but, right, but you're not forcing. You're not overemphasizing because that's what killed Dawn of Justice. I remember, I predict, predicted the demise of the, uh, uh, Dawn. Three, Anybody four years that in saw the second trailer predicted the downfall. Yeah, I mean, once you saw, once you saw Doomsday, once you saw Doomsday, you're like, okay, I see the whole movie in the trailers. I don't need to see this crap anymore. Like, they, no, no, no. The Johnny, trailer ruined be fair, it. Before, Johnny, to be fair, before it was a casting, a frame of footage, I knew there was issues from the script process alone. Oh, of course. It's a Zack Snyder movie. You know, that's no, it. All these movies are script issues. That's not the point. The point is, you know, I've been making that point for a long time. He doesn't know how to tell a proper story. That's always the, the issue going forward is, uh, yeah, the script starts, you know, it starts it all off and it's always bad. Look at look, every movie that he's made. Go back and read the scripts. They usually are terrible. They're just Dawn of the scripts. Dead is great, but it's because James Gunn wrote it. That's the only one. And I'm not even a fan of that movie. No, I, I think to be fair, Dawn was studio mandated, and the studio forced a lot of elements in there that didn't feel natural, just like the Last Jedi. But that's, again, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, that's, I, um, I yeah. it, so I don't know if I can argue against anything you can say about a movie I ain't seen, bro. No, no, I, I've made some. Here's the thing, um, and and you know, and I want everybody to chime into what I said because I, I don't want to come across like I'm a hater, man. Really, it's, I love Star Wars. The, the reason why I launched the campaign, all the opposition against it, because I love it. I love it passionately. So but you I love really it, so hate. you're going to hate on it. That makes absolutely no sense. No, no, I love, no, no, hear me out. I love it, but to the degree. Love to love to hate you, hate you, hate you. That's what that sounds like. No, yeah. no, no, <laughs> hear me out, big man. I, I love it to a degree, but I'm loving it in order to think objectively, because here's the man, thing. Man, you love it like Bobby Love Whitney. That's right. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Okay, good one. We're, we're two you love it like him that love the Jews. Years, That's how much you love years it. Removed from, we're almost two years removed from The Force Awakens. When right. was the last time you heard somebody say that was one of the greatest movies of all time? Not just Star last week. Movies. Actually, last oh, week. Last no, week. Actually, last week. Not even kidding. I was having a conversation no. with a friend of mine. We were talking about Rogue One and how much we liked Rogue One and The, and the Force Awakens was brought in. And my friend was like, oh, I love that movie. It's one of the best movies I've seen. In the Star Wars canon, it's one, like, my second favorite one. And I was like, really? Because that's actually my third favorite one of the of the Star Wars universe, with Empire being number one. I hear it all the time. Just go go on casual film mm -hmm. sci-fi sites on um groups on Facebook. You'll you'll hear kids say it all the time. People that that movie still really the movie. Yeah, the thing is, K one, you're taking your personal experience and you you're globalizing it like no, that's everybody's no, I'm, I'm experience. Not, I'm not. I'm not. By, by no means am I. That's a fan, that's a fanboy. That's a fanboy disease. Fanboys do that all the time. Not even, it's, it's not <laughs> even that. Here's the thing. I was only a proponent of them doing a Star Wars film. If guess what. If the father of the mythology could do it effectively, if if George Lucas supposedly failed with the prequels, supposedly, because I know you're a proponent of the of, of the prequels. Oh, he totally did. No matter what fucking Jackal says, he totally did. Yeah. So, so go ahead, there, go ahead, think that all you want, and say it on the show. I I will agree with you on there, man. Don't be afraid of Jackal. 
Hey, no, everybody I'm has that right to their own, if, to their if own opinion. Lucas, so. If George Lucas couldn't give you an effective treatment with the prequels, and he wanted to always keep, he was remember he's been protective of Star Wars for decades. He wanted to keep it out of corporate hands, and you know how they were horrid. What would make what would make Disney do anything better right now? Yeah. Okay, can I answer that? Hold on, hold on. Can, can I answer that real quick before you go forward? Can I answer that? No, I'm not. But forward. I'm not talking about a. No, but that, that, that's a that's a question. About, I'm not hold on, that's a revenue. I'm not. Yeah, but no, no, hold on. I'm not even talking about. I'm not even talking about revenue. Hold on. I'm just saying, as the movie itself, can I, can I answer that? Because that's that's a question in itself. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, and then I'll let you continue. And I won't. I'll let you continue. Uh, here's the thing. Lucas had not made a movie since 1977 as a director. Okay, like him or hate him, he made the movies he wanted to make set. Pre to the 1977 Star Wars movie, and the yeah, actors at that hold on, fanboy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He made he made the movies he wanted to make. He made movies that felt in a timeline that was set pre to the Star Wars of 77, meaning people are going to act differently, things are going to look differently. Fans just didn't embrace it because it was too different from what they loved and what they grew up with. And I understand that. And everybody has the right to either hate them or love them. Personally, I love the prequels. I thought they were fine films for what they were. Um, especially, I even like episode one. I have no issues with episode one. I said, for Jar Jar Binks. That's it. So yeah, I love Attack of the Clones and I love Revenge of the Sith. That's actually my second, my, actually, my, my fourth favorite of the entire saga. Uh, but look, here's the thing. He made his movies the way he wanted. Now, how, what would make Disney make better movies? Very simple. Disney is a major machine that's a lot bigger than George Lucas. They have think tanks of people together that are gonna like, you know, they're, they're gonna like brainstorm over every single thin of thread when it comes to Star Wars. They have groups of people that are coming together that are really fine writers that are coming together to actually put together the best storylines possible. They have a person like Kathleen Kennedy who I have absolute respect for because she is somebody who actually cares not only about the material, she cares about the actual source, she cares about the fans, she cares about getting things done right, so much so that she went in with balls and fired directors three weeks left with shooting on the Han Solo movie because she didn't like the daily, she thought it was a joke what was coming out, and she didn't like the way the main actor was acting, so she said, you know what, I know we're spending over $100 million in this movie, maybe close to even $200 million, but you know what, this sucks what they're doing, and it's not acceptable. So I, when you tell me, you know, what do I think, you know, why do I think that Disney could probably get even better than George Lucas? Because Disney has, is a lot larger of an entity than Lucas is. Lucas is okay. one guy. And Disney is a major corporation that has billions of dollars invested in getting this right. They can't fuck this up. That's the thing. If they fuck up Star Wars, the investment goes down the toilet. And they can't do that. They have to make money out of this for many, many years to recoup that investment. Because you know what? Star Wars a lot of the money they make back, so it goes into salaries and paying other people back. So the the actual profit that they make from each one of the movies, while a lot, it's still not close enough to recouping that five almost five billion dollar investment they made into the Lucas films. So they need these movies to be as good as possible. And going forward, you can't have this movie sucking in uh, the Last Jedi because if this sucks, nobody's going to want to even give a chance to the Han Solo movie or to the Episode Nine or anything else that comes forward after that. And they cannot afford that. And you know what? Brian Johnson is a great director. Uh, he did great with Looper. And you know everything that I've heard coming out of the set from Episode Eight has been nothing but amazing. So that's why I'm super excited for this. I'm equally as excited for this movie as I've ever been for any movie ever. I, 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 I have a retort. It's a lot smaller, a lot less wordier, but it it it, it fits. It ships there, K1. Um, 
Lucas made three movies that um, tried to t- tell where the first Star Wars film started. Disney did what he did better with one film called Rogue One, and I, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only prequel that anyone's ever going oh, to I, I, I would agree with you there. Rogue One is a better movie than the, of the three prequels put together. I'd agree with you on that, because I love Rogue One. But go ahead, K1. Uh, you know, continue. Uh, okay. Uh, both of you gentlemen made some beautiful points. Jacko, you in particular, you talked about the business acumen model and how effective Kennedy is in, in running that role. Even though I've heard rumors She's a bit of a tyrant behind the scenes, but well, she runs Disney. You have to be when you run a corporation like that, bro. I mean, it just so she she runs Lucasfilms, no, 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 not no. Disney. She runs uh, Lucasfilms allegedly, because again, it's, we don't have no we don't have no evidence for that. But here's the thing: my thing has always been the creative ingenuity. That's all. I'm, I'm not even talking about it being a. You're right. You hit it on the head. I, it's hard for me to contest that. That Star Wars being a relevant product. Because remember what I said years ago. Hey. Star Wars is relevant. You don't have no life in it. You got to, uh, I said about the atmosphere dictating the success of Star Wars. I slept on it. I, you know, are you hearing me now in 2017 regretting what I said two, three years ago or whatnot? I'm talking about the power of the story, the power of the characters going forward. Yes, Rogue One was a very good, well put together movie. As a prequel, as a transitional movie going in, from the pre- it's from, from that stage junction point in time all the way segwaying into episode four, beautiful transition. I have I remember after I saw that and I immediately uh, talked to California and we had a, a, a great discussion and I, I convinced him to go see the movie. But I'm saying the overall texture of these these sequel films, the trilogy, this new trilogy. Remember the reconstitution of the of the Jedi, the new Jedi Order, the new Republic, all of these things juxtapose that appeared to the original trilogy. Where's the I don't heart? think so. Ma- I don't think so. But we look haven't seen this movie yet. Look, yeah, we haven't look, seen, we, we haven't no, seen no, this no, movie. No, we, we haven't, the kids that they have wait, for wait, this, wait. They, they are the new Han, the new Luke, and the new Leia. I mean, John Boyega, Oscar, and um, what's her name? Daisy, they all sold me. The prequels yep. didn't even come close to setting up characters that I gave a fuck about half as much as I do for just Poe Dameron. No, no kidding. Look, within, within the first 15 minutes of this movie, I completely was sold on those three characters. I loved the you know the, the interaction with Finn and Poe the very beginning, the, the sequence where they actually meet and have that conversation about, like, I need a pilot. He's like, wait a second. That, that whole like back and forth, that sold me on their character oh. development. I thought they were awesome. You know, they, they played off well together. That was what good writing. Do I talk or do you talk? Do I, I, I've never been interrogated before. I mean, fucking yes, exactly. That was that was brilliant. I mean, there was so much beautiful dialogue. Not only that, that actually draws you into the character and makes you you know care for the characters. I, I I genuinely love these characters. I'm not even kidding. I genuinely love the characters of Ray, Poe, and Finn. And people say, oh well, Finn's a throwaway character. He's you know he's a racist character. He is. He's, a he's he not. Is. He is a great character. <laughs> He's oh, a great he is, character. Bro. You, 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 can I can I just say one thing? You know what it made you you know what it made Finn more compelling. Instead of him being a jokesty kind of like a, a loose character, had he been if you're talking about a character going through a, 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 a part of reformation and everything like that, had Finn would have been like a hard edged stormtrooper and you know participating in all the atrocities. Talking about a movie that kids are going to want to see. We're, we're right. not talking about that. No, no, no. We're not talking about having a <laughs> No, listen, Johnny, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, but you could do it in a way that's subtle and that's manipulating. You don't have to be overt with it. That's all I'm saying with, with Finn. And, 
But uh, listen, Empire, listen, if I'm just going to be straight, let me stop playing games. If Last Jedi <laughs> doesn't surpass Empire, if because I know a lot of people say we it's don't want that or whatever. You're, you're talking about impossibilities at this fucking point. The movie it's can not going to happen. It's Empire Strikes Back is considered one of the greatest films ever made. Nothing any Hollywood poops out at this time is going to be as good as something that came out in the 70s or 80s, man. Not, not really. I mean, Blade Runner uh, 2049 is being heralded as a masterpiece. I haven't seen it, it, is, it is but that's what the they time. say. It is for the time. The movie, it completely is dumbed down. It, it's made for general audience people to get it. The twist and the and the big um big reveals of the film, they're just see through as tracing paper. Read my review on Facebook. I made this all blatantly clear. The film is epic and it's a wonderful follow up, but it fits into what Hollywood is now. The and time it has we're no living in now, yes. And, yes. Yes. and that is fair. But what if what if Ray's origins? What if Ray's origins, along with Smoke and all the other revelations? What if those things are underwhelming? See, this is what I'm trying to get you guys. To but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because you can never replace or try to top. I am your father. That's not going to happen. No, no, so, no, no, no that, that's listen. just look. That's just hold on. That's just never going to happen. That kind of reveal, you're never going to be able to top again. No, no, that's she, that's she the way it is. But here, but here, no, but here's the thing. No, she, she doesn't have to be anything. She could be anything at this point. She the reveal, the reveal is going to be what it is. She no, she doesn't. Actually, she, actually you know, you know what? It, no, she does. No, she doesn't. And here, and here's why. And, and she does not have to be a Skywalker. You would not want her to be a Skywalker. She absolutely she does not have to be a Skywalker. Well, no. She could be a Kenobi. She could be the. She could be the the uh, granddaughter she's of, a, of Palpatine. She's the mini. She could she's be the chlorian version of Anakin reincarnated. <laughs> no, actually, the the, the working it. theory. The working theory Stop now. It. No, no, the working theory Stop now. And I actually like this a lot. Hold on, the working theory now. And this is actually pretty pretty brilliant, is that she's the reincarnation of, of the very first Force user in the galaxy, and that she was brought back by the midi-chlorians uh, to ba uh, bring balance to the Force. And, no, because Anakin could do it. If they, if they then, do that, I'm stepping in front of a garbage truck right after No, because this actually goes, this goes with, this goes, this, no, this goes with them, this goes with this. That craps on the legacy of the Skywalkers. What's the No, it does not. It does not because Luke is still a Sky. Luke is a Skywalker. Even if he doesn't have the last name, Kylo Ren is a Skywalker by blood. So it's still a Skywalker story, but it's a redemption of maybe Kylo Ren. Maybe she turns evil. We don't know. We haven't seen the movies, guys. That's the whole point. Let's watch the movies before we judge the movies. No, no, but Kylo Ren, I think, at least what I feel, is irredeemable. If the reason why I'm saying that it, she has to have be you, have you, No, no, no. Actually, there's a good theory that um, I've heard that it's on the kind of the jackal side of absurd Garrity. But I actually like this one that is that <laughs> um, Han actually pushed the button on the lightsaber and killed himself. To, so he could free his kid, and I think that that's a beautiful sentiment. If it comes out to be true, it'd be better than fucking Ray being the incarnated version of Space Buddha. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and then not to mention the fact that what if we get later on in the movie we get Ray turning to the dark side and we get Kylo Ren redeeming himself. But you guys, hold on, can guys. I ask you something? Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something real quick? 
can I not, not to cut you? Can I ask something real quick? Why would you want Ray to turn to the dark side when she just displayed? No, I wouldn't. TV. But I'm just saying that that might be a direction that they go in. I mean, all because the time out, time out, guys, time out, guys, guys, guys. Time out, hold on. There's nothing latent. There's no other latent abilities that it has to be manifest. She overthrew damn near every. That's the whole point. That's why people are crapping all over the character. Hold on, guys, but time out, time out. Time out, guys. Time out. But see, here's the thing. That's why if she's the reincarnation of the very first Force user, it'll completely answer why she has all these powers that she didn't even know about that just manifested themselves. Because she is literally the the Force reincarnated. That will make perfect sense, and it will give you the answer you wanted to have. Now, that's the theory that's been worked on right now. But look, we haven't seen the movie, okay? So let's not talk about what is or what not. I mean, you know, what is your agenda K1, we're trying to bring this movie down, no, we're trying to bring no, Lucasfilms down, when you I'm, yourself I'm, are a fan. I mean, why not support it, watch I'm, the movie, and if it's good, give it a good review. If it's bad, give it a bad review. It is yeah, that simple. Be bipartisan. Be bipartisan. But every time, every time you post something on the internet, it's like, oh no, fuck this, and fuck this guy, and, and this guy sucks, and this movie's gonna be a piece of shit. But, but, yeah, but that's not the answer to life, dude. You know, be, yeah, you really should be bipartisan on this if you love it so much. I love it so much, but not at the expense of they selling me crap. Listen, they... they but they're not. They've made two great movies so far. The Force Awakens and Rogue yes. One have both been better than most other sci-fi kids. What are you crap. talking They've about, K-1? Decades, dude. They haven't made movies like that that good since the 80s. And I don't care what you try to show me. I ain't going to buy it, man. Like, I still you, watch you, him all the time. On, the Force Awakens is still a great that. movie. You only say that because it made $2 billion. You don't believe that. Come on, now. Dude, it made $2 ever, billion. Have you ever seen me give a fuck about sales, man? No, I talk, no, I, I know, I, but, but, but it's hard. No, I know you don't care about sales, but here's the thing, though. That's it's hard for me. Man. It's hard for me and a few other people to go against that because what the majority is going to say. Listen, on paper, the film is successful, and you had somebody like uh, Mark Hamill has come out in cold and tell you, yo, this stuff is, I'm not feeling it, it's weak. Whatever, whatever. That's not and even. Nobody... See, the, the, see, no, 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 hold on, hold on. See, I gotta stop it right there because that's not even. What, that's not even fact. Mark Hamill had come <laughs> out and said, "No, no, Mark, Mark Hamill, and don't twist his words because that's what that's what you like to do. Don't twist his words." Mark Hamill said when he first read the script, he's like, "My God, what are they doing with this character? I, I don't understand it. I would never go this way with this character." But when I read the script and I saw everything in context, I was like, "Oh man, this is actually brilliant what they did with the character," and I loved what they did with the movie. See, that's the entire conversation he had. But you take a little, you take a little piece, you take a little piece of what he said, and then you blow that out of proportion. That's a that's a typical K one move. But that's not what he said. Read the entire conversation. Read the entire conversation. Look at the man's body language. Look at how he. Oh come on now! Oh come on now! Come now! Motivation for the character, getting reintroduced. Mark Hamill also is a clown. Look, Mark Hamill is a clown, and he likes to sell you on controversial things he says sometimes to motivate you and hype you up a little bit. When he says shit like that, you know how many nerds got their fucking panties wet because he said, "Oh man, I don't know. This is this is darker than I would have gone with the character. I don't. I would never. You know how many nerds got wet in their fucking shorts? You know how many." Hold on, you know how many nerds got wet at that point? I fucking popped a boner when he, I popped a boner when he said that because that was exactly what he wanted, what he needed to say. That my goodness, this is really you know this is going somewhere where I never thought they would go with the character. That's exactly what I wanted to hear from Mark Campbell. 
And he's, and he said ang- it. he's angling for another job. The man hasn't been in anything besides a straight-to-video <laughs> movie for decades. Exactly. He's, he's trying to milk some other properties out of this, maybe. And he's playing the Hollywood game a little bit. It's fun for them people, especially when they're trying to break back into it. What For what Mark... I've seen Mark Hamill say, and what I've seen videos on YouTube try to say that he said, uh, it doesn't jive. Uh, I'm a little more on Jackal's side. I think he's pissed that he wasn't in uh, The Force Awakens more. Some of the clips I've heard kind of just showed me that he was a little angry that he just showed up and just looked at her like, you took it out of the box. Why did you take it out of the box? When he he <laughs> actually should have had a line in the film. But, but, but whatever, but, you know, he, but Johnny, he can have Johnny his opinion. Justified. But Johnny that doesn't justify it's justifiable. It's justifiable criticism, though. That's the whole thing. It's not like he's throwing it out there, and he's not like he's manipulating the. Well, it's not like he's criticizing he's, it. It's not like he's criticizing no, he's not, it. He is he's, talking out of his ass, having fun with fans at a con, dude. They do no, no, that. No, no, Have no, you no. ever seen the supernatural Johnny, guys? The Johnny, shit they Johnny, talk about each other on stage. It's hilarious. Johnny, they don't mean Johnny, a word they, of it. But but they dis, he's dissatisfied it's in a some Comic levels Con, of dude. He was talking no, about his ass on a panel at the con. Dude, you're putting yourself you're 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 putting yourself in the mindset of of Mike Hamill. Like you're thinking no, for him. You're giving you're not Mark Hamill. You don't know what Mark Hamill's thinking. You don't know if he's joking know, around. But but but, he, but you I know this though. He, Mark he, Hamill's he, a clown. He does this all the time. He jokes around like this all the time. We, but we know but but Jacko, we know that the man has been around since the beginning of the whole thing. And if he's gonna know how Star Wars mind he's not the creator. But he knows the character. He's known the yeah, psychology and emotion of the character. He's an actor. He doesn't know shit. He's an actor. He does yeah. not know anything other than what we know. He followed up Star Wars with fucking Corvette Summer. You're going to tell me exactly. that I'm going to take his word on every, like, good idea? I'm saying, I'm that saying that who you going to trust, who you going to trust, but listen, who has played Luke Skywalker than Luke? It's, just, it's like the argument with, with William Shatner and Chris Pine, you know, with Kirk. I mean, who's the better Kirk? I mean, I, 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 I like them both. But who's who's gonna put? And Mark Hamill is the only one to play the character. Hey, uh, I watched a docu- I watched a documentary called The Captains, and Chris Pine beat William Shatner at arm wrestling. So I think that that proves that Pine yep. is a better Kirk. I mean, no, listen, yeah, much you, better Kirk. There's more I'm power. <laughs> that's the whole. That's what I'm trying to stress. At the end of the day, it's not Star Wars. It's Star Wars, just Star Wars as a product. That's all it is. And I think creatively, there's nowhere else to go. Maybe TV. Because that's I always been a proponent. So enjoy that. it so as what it is. Enjoy it as what it is. But don't be hating on every single no, thing that comes why, out. Why that's money. That's money. If I'm a consumer, if I'm going to spend money, and if I, if I follow the franchise, why can't I demand quality? That's not the but de- demand quality, but don't hate on every single thing. Is what I'm saying. You can demand. I demand quality, but you don't see me like bashing every single post no, ba- that comes I'm out. Bashing, but I, but I'm bashing because I know listen, you're bashing because you're a cyber troll. That's all the reason you're bashing. Yeah, that's it. I have a great point here. I'm not bash. I'm not bashing it just for no, no, no uncivilized. You're a Star Wars troll. Like that's all it is, dude. You're like trolling Star Wars fans. That's all. I get it. Yeah, never, never. I'm I not understand at all because I, I get it. That was a, I wouldn't even be talking about it. You know that. I, I have is, a different. Is this the, is this the argument you're going to give me with Terminator Six with, with, with James Cameron and that debacle? Oh my is god! That the you're gonna <laughs> we don't have time. We don't got time for that. Think for a second, okay? Look, let, let, let's put it in this perspective. Look at the other movies that are somewhat in the same realm of Star Wars that have come out recently. We have Hunger Games, we have Maze Runner, we have Detergent, we have all these other films that just try to do the same. <laughs> those films, no, 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 they are. They, they are. They are 
essentially Star Wars's peers in this film world with kind of teen sci-fi action drama things and just look at how the two Star Wars films that supposedly are garbage that aren't marketable for some odd reason are just completely tower over all these other YA films and destroys it even with its own creator and supposedly its greatest actor talking shit about it they're still running game like it's nobody's business and that 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 Amen. is fucking proof in the pudding, my friend. But we can't pow, we can't pow, ignore, this. We I, can't I gotta ignore cut. there's a contingent. We can't ignore that there's a contingent of people out there. A lot of the older fans. Oh, yeah, I know no, Johnny. No, no. There's always going to be haters. Always going to exist. And I got to cut you off because we got to go to commercial. We got to go to commercial. You got to shut up now. You got to you got to go to commercial. And when we come back, we have uh, somebody else joining us on the second hour. Plus, we also have, we got to get up to our top ten list. We can't give you the entire two hours, my friend. Uh, so we're okay. going to come back and we're going to uh, give our top ten list at the beginning of the uh, the next hour here when we come back from uh, commercial break. So stick around. This is the roundtable show right here on. PSN-radio.com Movie legend We lost her too soon Gone But not forgotten Now You can own an authentic piece of movie history Elizabeth Taylor's ashes In a small commemorative urn Remember, remember I want you to forget me Please for just $29.95 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you an ounce of real superstar soot. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. You can have a piece of her forever. Command performances leave me quite cold. Call today. Hurry. Quantities are limited. Greetings. My name is Spud Goodman, and I am, in fact, a talk show host. But the Spud Goodman Show is more than just a talk show. Spud and his temporary co-host, Gerald. It's temporary permanent co-host. Super. Interview celebrities. Welcome live musical guests. Present fascinating feature segments. And take calls from an assortment of unique callers. Should I laugh now? And you can catch the Spud Goodman Show Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Right here on PSN Radio. That is messed up, yo. You've come a long way, lady, and we're going to see you through to the very end. New summer's wheeze, it'll take your breath away. New summer's wheeze cigarettes with enough taste for a man, but made especially for a woman. Summer's wheeze, because you know where you're going, and you can't wait to get there. Summer's Wheeze, available in box, softback, menthol, regular 100s, menthol box extra longs, menthol box ultra light 100s, and regular softback menthol ultra light. New Summer's Wheeze, it'll take your breath away. Also in regular ultra soft, ultra thin, ultra longs, box or hard pack, and filtered and unfiltered, regular or king, choose the way you want to go. New Summer's from the makers of Chester Paynes and Chemo 100. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Everybody, welcome back to the Roundtable Show right here on PSN Radio. That's right. www.psn-radio.com is where you can hear us live every week. And you can download the podcast for free, by the way. If you go to roundtableshow.com, you can download the podcast every single week. We post them as soon as we, uh, we're done with them. And now in the second hour, we're going to have our top ten list in a few minutes. The top ten list this week is the top ten Greatest prequels that we enjoy. Whether it could be a movie, could be a TV series, either or. If it's a prequel and you love it, or we love it, I should say, that's not going to be our top ten list. Plus, we have at the end of the hour the top ten box office results. And uh, now we're going to uh, bring on with us at the roundtable here our good friend, of course, Jason Justice, who's uh, been MIA for the uh, beginning of the show. Jason, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Glad to be back. Glad to be back and not working, not doing other things. Happy Good that uh, you're you're alive and well because we haven't actually uh, had a show in a while with you on, and uh, you know you, you've yeah. been uh, MIA, and we were we were kind of worried for you, man, because you know we're we're both in Florida, but you're a little bit closer to where uh, the the storm actually hit hard. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I, I did all right. I fare well. I have walls. There's electricity. The AC works. The best thing, the AC. Oh, uh, right, so good, <laughs> man. When the power went out here in my house, and uh, you know, I was uh, feeling the burn. Let me tell you, it felt like Africa uh, up in this, uh, this joint. Awful. 
Yeah, it was terrible. After that, I was like, so this is what a third world country feels like. Okay, cool. And I, I was sweating to the oldies, man. I, I felt like Richard Simmons in my crib. And uh, then, you know, a couple of days later, I, I got the power back on, and I felt like a rich king. You know, and I felt this oh, yeah. power and this entitlement again. I was like, yes, I am back into civilization. I am back with the right kind of people. My people, the Westerners. Back yes. in society. <laughs> yes. It felt so good. <laughs> Even my little short time in Florida when I was in the Tampa area, like, there is no way to escape the humidity there. Like, every night it thundered, lightning, and rained. Like, I'm so happy they were smart enough to bury the power cords there because, like, over out where I'm at now, whenever we have a thunderstorm, the power goes out. But in Florida, never had that problem. But, oh, my God, I could not imagine being in the summer in that state without an AC. Jesus, you should oh, get dude. a medal for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Spent five days, five days without power. Ah, oh, terrible! But look, you guys we've been are the time- champions. You guys are the yeah. champions. Well, I mean, we're used to. We've gone through a lot of hurricanes. Not only here in Florida, yeah. but in our native countries. I mean, we've yeah. how many hurricanes have we not gone through? <laughs> you know, like Jesus, seriously. Uh, shout out to Jesus, by the way, world damn Jesus. Shout out to Lord. Yeah, hey, hey, Jesus. Oh yeah. No, he's, he's not Mexican, bro. No, he's Cuban. Relax. I don't know, dude. <laughs> oh, shout out to Jamie, show. who had a, a birthday uh, recently. Jamie, who's our, one of our boys here. Uh, yeah. um, Jaime, as he's really called, he's Cuban. Yeah, Jaime. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, in the last hour before we had our K-1 call, we, uh, we were talking about uh, the Justice League trailer. Have you seen it? Yes, I actually saw that today. And what are your thoughts? I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I know you're a DC fan like the rest of us. so I like it. I just want to see what they're going to do with it. Like It's cool they show me everybody you know, doing things and Aquaman right, all tatted right. up, you know, going down to the ocean. But, uh, <laughs> Talking to fish. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, awesome. it, it's cool. Like, I, that's, it, a hell of a, that's a hell of a power. It. Yeah, like, it, it made me want to see it, like how they're going to make this, but it, it, was, it was pretty cool. Uh, in fact, I saw it like literally like thirty minutes ago. I saw turned on the TV, and I was like, "Oh, what is this?" That's pretty cool. I like it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually gonna get out to the theater and actually spend some money to see that. I mean, it, it did look better than the Batman versus Superman trailer. So yes, absolutely yeah. made me want. Yes, absolutely. It totally made me forget that there's gonna be Ben Affleck in the Batman suit in this movie. Well, that doesn't that didn't happen with me. I still don't like the fact that it's Ben Affleck in the damn Batman suit. But I will say that Batman looks awesome always because you know Batman looks awesome regardless of who's in the suit. Yeah. Uh, but it's still Batman unless he has bat nipples. Yeah. Yes, that's. But I don't consider that Batman. That's you know the show that's shooting. A parody. Like, that's yeah, a parody that's, of Batman. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a, a cartoon. Parody. That's a farce. That's a cartoon. That's a Joel yeah. Shitmaker's uh, Batman. Yeah, uh, no, but no. It, it made Adam West look like Nolan, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit. Well, <laughs> speaking of which, Adam West's last piece. movie, The Batman vs. Two-Face, is about to come out next oh, week. Did they actually get to record that? Oh, good. Yeah, I, I was like, so excited for with, that uh, sequel. Yeah, was William, with, Shatner's uh, Two-Face. William, Sh- William Shatner's Two-Face, yes. Fucking A, man. That's, That's fantastic. Fantastic. That is, is it going to be on Blu-ray or just DVD? That's DVD good. and Blu-ray and uh, digital, nice. all three. Yeah, yep. DC's actually finally starting to put out um, all of the animated on um, Blu-ray. The New Frontier just came out. I picked that up. That's like my favorite DC animated That's film. That's a wonderful so. animated film, too, by the way. Yeah, New yep. Frontier. 
Yeah, so anybody yeah. listening, like, go get the New Frontier Blu-ray. I don't really care, because, like, like, I can't tell the difference between them DC animated cartoons on Blu-ray or DVD, but just go get it, because it's awesome. <laughs> Fucking just do it. Touche. <laughs> now, you know, I have a question for you. I mean, with the trailer, I mean, I, I thought it was a good trailer. I enjoyed the trailer, like I said earlier. But doesn't it feel like sometimes they're giving away a little too much in these DC trailers? Uh, like, for example, when I look at, like, the Star Wars trailer, I still have no idea what the hell The Last Jedi is going to be about. And I see the first trailer. But this, they're, they're very subtle with what they show you. It's just very subtle imagery, quick cuts of nothingness. And, and even in the <laughs> in Force Awakens, in Force Awakens, there was stuff in the trailers that didn't even make it onto the film itself, which I thought was brilliant. I mean, I, I, that just hypes me up even more to want to see those movies. When I saw Batman vs. Superman, for example, the trailers told me the entire film. That it's I'm, I'm getting the same vibe from this movie that I've I, seen I, already a couple I of think, trailers. I think if they do it, they, they lose, and if they don't, they lose. I think that they're trying to show that, hey, look, this is going to be better. This I think they're showing you so much because they're like, look, there's jokes and, and bright colors. It's not like BVS. You know, it's it, it's different. Look at it. You know, I think they're putting the hard sell on it, and they're shooting themselves from the foot with people that like less is more. But I think overall, it, it's like Jason said, yeah. it made me want to see it. To split, they're trying to split a balance. That's what they're trying to do. I mean, they they don't have any other choice, really. they got to do something because, yeah. Well, see, Star Wars, like, they, they, they got hits. They, they can do what they, they want. Just, Star they Wars show, can do it. <laughs> they could just show you, like, the logo and have dialogue playing, like, the first Nolan teaser trailers for the Batman films and... Everybody would be on the internet going like, oh, I splooched my pants on that one, man. They don't even need to show you anything. So, like, the fact that they do show you things in trailers is pretty bitching, but they don't even need to do it. They're just being gangsters showing you little clips. Star Wars just has to play one note, like, ding. <laughs> and you see, like, pebbles just floating in the air. And you hear a, a, br- a breathing effect. Then you hear somebody say, breathe. Which is kind of ironic, because that's what he's doing. He's breathing. He's like, Breathe. <sighs> And I'm already like, oh my god, I'm masturbating. This is so good. This is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because it's that subtleness that hypes you up. And that's what I love about Star Wars, man. They don't need to make up for anything. Like, the the, the people people at um, DCWB want people to not think that this movie is going to be BVS Part 2. I think that they're pushing that narrative as hard as possible. And I I appreciate it because I It's hard for them, though, because they're, they're... because they're piggybacking off of the fact that Superman yeah. was killed, which was the yeah. biggest mistake that they made in BVS. So by no, 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 no. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Biggest mistake in the history of cinema. Doomsday, second biggest mistake in the history of cinema. Third biggest mistake, third biggest mistake, third biggest mistake, Ben Affleck as Batman. Fourth biggest mistake, Cabin of Superman. Yes. Fifth biggest mistake, Doomsday. Uh, wow. <laughs> he's only number five, I'm just saying. Yeah, so he's way down there, bro. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of other mistakes done way before Doomsday. But my and, thing is, if they, want, if they want to distance themselves from BVS, it's kind of hard when the whole the whole storyline of... They have, yeah, they no, have to go they're, they're from there. Following no it. Yeah, yeah, following it, yeah. So yeah, like they can't not follow it, so, it, you know. They're but, trying to be... We're, we're we're continuing, but it's going to be better. We promise. We're look at it. We got bright colors and jokes. It's got to be better. 
Please watch our movie. And we've got classic superhero themes coming, too, thanks to Danny Elfman. So, yeah, okay. He's better than Skrillex. That's all I can say, man. I'm glad oh, I'm come here. Soundtrack, boo, 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 boo. That would have got people to see it. Yeah, but see, this goes along with what I said earlier. You get a real filmmaker in there who knows how to actually put this thing together, and you're going to get things actually that, that, that feel more cohesive, that actually you know fits in a little bit better, that actually makes you a little bit excited to see this thing. And, you know, when you get John Sweden in there, you get this kind of a changeover where now we're going to see the theme of Superman from John Williams, you know, in little small pieces in there. You're going to see that, and that makes me excited as a fan. And that you know, it's just little things like that. That now with the real filmmaker, hint hint, Zack Snyder, you're not a real filmmaker. But with a real filmmaker in there like Josh Wheaton, you know, it, it's starting to get, get a little bit more organic. And I like that. I like, I like the fact that he's becoming involved with DC, and maybe we'll, we actually will get good movies out of this. So I'm I'm half excited for this movie. For the half that's, of the stuff he's doing. Better, that's better than you have been. So that's a good thing. Yes. Well, like. Well, honestly, like I, like I said, man, Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller actually look fun as hell in the film, and the, I didn't see that coming. So I might actually enjoy this Flash and this Aquaman, which you guys know I hate Aquaman, and um, <laughs> I think Grant Gustav is the only Flash, but Ezra looks like he's stepping up like from even how good he was in Rebels. All right. Yeah. I wasn't hey, worried about about liking or not liking these uh, two characters. I thought they were going to be fine, but uh, I didn't really like the casting because you know, to me, I, I look at Jason Momoa and I'm like, oh, Lobo. Like I don't see him as Aquaman. It's, dude looks just like Lobo. That's that was my big gripe with that. Uh, sorry, I agree with uh, that. Jason. I agree sorry, with that. Jason. That would have been yes, right? No, it's funny yes. because he even said that you can look this up on YouTube. Uh, a couple years ago, before he was even mentioned for Aquaman, there were just rumors of him being involved with a possible DC project in the future, hint, hint, uh, when they were talking about casting him for this role. But they didn't know what role it was that he was being rumored for. They interviewed him, and somebody brought it up as part of the interview with some fan, asked him, you know, you're up for uh, a role in the DC universe. What role do you see yourself playing? And he said, oh, probably Lobo, because I actually look like the, the comic book character. He's my favorite. Yeah. He's my favorite character. He, the way he acts, fa- my, the way he looks, it's Robo. Yeah, he looks like him. He just does. My favorite is when he came back as a lamp. That was my favorite <laughs> comic book. It was fantastic. I love that guy. I don't remember that comic, but uh, I, I know you do. Okay, you, you know, every time he dies, he reincarnates into something else. Right. So but the original Lobo looks. The, the original Lobo looks awesome. like Jason Momoa. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I didn't think about that until you said it just now. And it hit it's right. Like, Damn, that's true. Yep. Yep. But anyway. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Because you know now we're just killing dead air. Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to- dead air. Isn't it dead already? Yeah, and then we just killed it, which makes it a whole lot worse. Damn, that's bad. That is bad. Uh, we got All a top right. ten list tonight, uh, guys, and we got to move on to that uh, because uh, we're twenty minutes past the, the uh, second hour or so. Uh, top ten list tonight uh, for us personally is, of course, the top ten favorite prequels, TV, or movies. And Zod Ryder, I'm gonna let you kick it off this week. You go first, sir. Okay. Uh, number ten uh, from 2011, X Men: First Class. Number nine, Casino Royale from 2006. Number eight, Prometheus from 2012. 
Number seven, Star Wars Episode Three from 2005. That is my favorite of George Lucas's prequels. Uh, number six, Red Dragon from 2002, the Hannibal Lecter uh, prequel. Number five, Star Trek from 2009. I feel like that. It was a wonderful prequel. Number four, Dumb and Dumberer from 2003. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that movie. Love that movie. Uh, number, number three, Batman Begins from 2005. Excellent Batman prequel. Number two, Rogue One, a Star Wars story from 2016. And my number one prequel of all time is Rise of the Planet of the Apes from 2011. You stole my heart with Dumb and Dumber. Or, you know that, right? Yeah, dude, dude. Oh, I not think to, anybody was going to put that. It had that. to be in there, man. I mean, come on. Chicks are the facts, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so good. Uh, Jason, did you have a list already, or are you not ready? Yes, I do. Yes, I do oh, have my a list goodness. ready. Yes, I Go do. For it, my, go for it, my friend. Um, my number 10 is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Because that's a sequel to all the other ones. Um, Number nine, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually ended up liking it. Um, Number eight, Episode three. That was pretty good. Number seven, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. I know some people don't like that, but I like that movie. Uh, Number six, Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) It's a stupid movie. Uh, number five, Batman Begins. Uh, number four, Mall Rats. Because I love Clark. Oh, does Batman Begins really count as a as a prequel though? Because it's kind of like it's, it's a. I counted reboot. as one. It does. Yeah, I, I counted it. Becoming, becoming really? Batman, so it's essentially yeah. a prequel, right? Yeah, it's well, all but, about his, him becoming Batman, so it's a prequel. Yeah, but it's a, it's a complete reboot to the 90s Batman. It's not like in that continuity whatsoever, so... Well, it could be kind of connected to the... Mm, no, it's not at all. No, it's not at all. I mean, they're completely different animals. I don't know. I'll let you get away with that. I'll, I'll give it to him. him. Yeah, all right. right. Number three, Red Dragon. I saw that movie in the theaters. That was awesome. Yes. Number two, Indiana Jones. In the Temple of Doom. Let's forget that's a prequel. Fucking good one, man. Yes, right, it is. Though, it does take place before the Raiders. God it damn. It sure does. About that. And uh, number yep. one, of course, Rogue One. I fell in love with that movie. That movie was fantastic. Thank you. So what I'm saying? Yes. K-1. <laughs> <laughs> great movie. Uh, great list, great my movie. friend. Great list. And uh, Johnny, are you ready for your uh, top yeah, 10 yeah. listening? Uh, okay, well, you guys know it. I was having a bit of trouble, so the last two are not movies that I really like, but um, they are decent compared to a lot of other prequels. Uh, number 10, I have Hellraiser Bloodline. It's watchable. It's like the last watchable one. And number 9, X-Men First Class. And number 8, I have the Animatrix, mostly for the uh, second Renaissance parts. That just beautiful. It, it is better than True. even most of the other Matrix stuff. Number seven, I got Caprica. Really great um, prequel show to Battlestar nice. Galactica. Wow, damn. Nice. Yes. No, number six, I got Prometheus, of course. Number five, Star Trek Enterprise. Man, love that Bacula. At four, Rogue <laughs> One. At three, Smallville. At two, Appleseed Alpha. And at one, it is, of course, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Beautiful yes. movie. Cool. Nice. Nice. Appleseed. Wow, dude. 
That's a beautiful list. And you know what? I was this close to putting Smallville on my list. I didn't because I kind of see Smallville as its own incarnation. It is, really but it's about him becoming Superman. And, um, yeah, I, but... Yeah. I figured other people would have Batman Begins and shit on their list so I could get away with Smallville. So for, thank you, Jason, for, the, for going first. No, <laughs> I'll let you get away with it, but for the same reason I didn't put Batman Begins, I didn't put Smallville on my list. There's not they would both be on my it. list. <laughs> I... I just didn't think of it like that. Uh, but here's my top ten list. Number ten, and I cannot believe you guys said this uh, before me, and I'm shocked, amazed, but you stole my heart with Dumb and Dumber-er, because <laughs> chicks know. are for fags. And <laughs> it made my. It, it was number ten, but it was the first movie I thought of when I was thinking about this list. Because I was like... <laughs> first movie I thought of. <laughs> it was perfect. I was like, it can't be my number one, but I have to put it in my top ten, because it's... Be in there. It's oh, yeah. clearly the greatest, that. one of the greatest prequels ever made. It, it really is. Just you gotta, you gotta watch it to appreciate it. That's all it is. Yeah. So that's my number ten. Another one that I was shocked to hear was Caprica, the spin-off prequel to or to the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. I, I was surprised you guys put that on the list. And uh, kudos to you because I love that series. I was shocked that it didn't continue and they canceled it when they did. Uh, let me see number eight on my list: Fear the Walking Dead, which is the prequel to The Walking Dead. I, I, li- I really like that show. Actually, I like it more, you know, a little bit more than The Walking Dead, to be honest. It's, uh, I think it's a, it's going really, really well for Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, number seven on my list, Star Trek 2009 with J.J. Abrams, the prequel to the original series. And I do count this as a prequel to the original series because yeah. Spock is in it from the original series. And we know this is an alternate universe timeline. We've all, we've but, all snuck ones in. You, you can have it, man. And Zod yeah. had it on his list too. Go ahead. I, no, but it, it's, it's like an Ultimates version, but it, it is a prequel, man. So yeah, no, but it, you don't have it, to. The reason. The reason I, I explain this because it, you know not only does it have that Spock from the original series, the the explanation of why this is an alternate timeline is given because of what happens in the movie with uh, with Neo and uh, was Neo's name? The Calvin. The Calvin. Nero. The Calvin. Nero. Nero. There we go. Why did I think Neo for a second? Well, you just anyway, dropped one letter. Just... Yeah, I know. <laughs> with Nero, my bad. With Nero and what happens with him, the Kelvin timeline and stuff, and it was brilliantly put together by uh, by a brilliant director in J.J. Abrams and uh, his writing staff, and I completely loved that movie. It's uh, To me, it's one of the greatest Star Trek films ever made. And uh, number six on my list, and I don't care what anybody says, Attack of the Clones. I love that movie. Uh, it's uh, I, I thought it was a great prequel to the uh, Star Wars trilogy. And, uh, you know, I love the uh, sequence uh, with uh, Yoda and, you know, fighting and, uh, you know, the, the politics involved in the movie. And it kind of shows you where the universe and the galaxy was and at that time period. Is that the one where you see E.T.? Is that the one with yes. E.T. in it? E.T.'s in the center sequence. Sand. Where, where sand he well, sand is everywhere. Sand. That was the best scene in the movie. That was, it's a, <laughs> hey, it is a memorable piece of dialogue and you'll never forget it, okay? <laughs> Thank you very much. It is a wonderful <laughs> meme that I laugh at every time I see it. Exactly. Number five on my list, Red Dragon. Again, I was shocked you guys mentioned that, but Red Dragon, oh, of course, a prequel. Movie. I almost put Manhunter, the original version of that movie, on my list. Yeah. But it Red came Dragon. out first, though. It came out first, though. That, well, Manhunter came out first, but Red Dragon is the, was the remake of. they did with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Right. But that is considered, that is considered, yeah, that one is considered the proper prequel to Silence of the Lambs because Anthony Hopkins is in. Red Dragon. So exactly. he, he wasn't a Manhunter. That was uh, Brian Cox at the Manhunter. Uh, but uh, I love Red Dragon. I love the 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 creepiness of it. Uh, you know, uh, what's the what's the name of the director? Um, 
Brad Radner, that Radner, yeah. X Men Three, Brad Radner, who I, I was <laughs> skeptical on because of his pra- his past work. The only thing I've ever seen of his that I really enjoyed was the uh, the movies with Jackie Chan and, and Chris Brad Tucker, the Rush Hour movies. That's it. I mean, other than that, he's not really a very serviceable director. Uh, but he actually oh, nailed you didn't that. Like Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Shut your <laughs> mouth. But I I loved Red Dragon. I thought he nailed that one, and uh, he did a fantastic job as uh, you know the best he could with a very tough. Uh, prequel to a masterpiece like Silence of the Lambs. So I love Red Dragon. Uh, number four on my list, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, Zod. I love Star Trek Into Darkness. You know it's true. It's a good movie, but what's it a prequel to, G? To the Star Trek universe, to the original series. It's a, it falls in line as the, uh, the the Star Wars prequels. It's a prequel to the original series. It's a, it's, and it has Khan in it. That's right. It has Khan. Okay. Number three on my list, and another prequel to Hannibal, Hannibal Rising, which I know you guys are not big fans of. Maybe I don't <laughs> really? know. I love that movie with that with the young Hannibal. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I've seen that movie like four or five times. It's, it gets better every time I see it. It's a badass Hannibal movie, and it doesn't have Anthony Hopkins, but it is the it's a prequel to Hannibal. So. And it's an official prequel. Uh, number two on my list, Revenge of the Sith. All right. You know, the gr- one of the greatest duels of lightsabers ever, uh, I thought, was you're, number You're overselling it like usual, man. Just go <laughs> ahead. Can, can, I, can, I it? can I have a little fun with this, please? It's my turn. Come on. Let me have fun with it. The brilliance of George Lucas in capturing <laughs> what... Has to be just a masterpiece of a performance with Ewan McGregor and that ever so lovable Hayden Christensen, who of course is now a household name and loved worldwide as Anakin Skywalker. That brilliant yeah, performance, yes. That brilliant. What? What did you say? I didn't say nothing. He's Nicholas Cage's sidekick now in a lot of movies. Well, yeah, that's cool. That's he's cool. in all the Nicolas Cage and Bruce Willis straight-to-video movies when I'm at Walmart. Hey, he's like, people got, he's people like right work. there next to Stephen People got to work. People got to work. But he's a brilliant young actor. One day will win an Oscar, maybe in the future. One day you never yeah, know. It's been Henry but, Cavill at the same year. Like those, those two but, but... The movie was great. the The fight in Duel of Mustafar, the the Duel of Mustafar was badass, and uh, I love the Darth Vader introduction. Hold on, let me finish. I love the the entire uh, Darth Vader introduction with the suit. Uh, That was cool, especially the no. I don't care. I like that. And uh, number one on my list, which actually uh, took a shit on the entire prequel trilogy, uh, was uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, because that really is. The best of the prequels. Let's be honest; uh, it, it's just a badass movie. Rogue I One like that movie. is just—it's uh, such a—it's so badass. The more I watch it, the more I love it. Yeah, so the first time I badass. bought, first time I bought Star Wars figures since I was like I don't know right? twenty-two. So, more. <laughs> it's been a while, so it was really good. I went out and I got like K two, and I got Jen Erso. I got the little French guy. I got Funkos. Dude, I even got the Funkos. Yes, I, I got them both. I got the little Funkos and the big Funkos. I love Rogue One so much. I mean, I look as much as I love George Lucas's prequel trilogy, uh, Rogue One really in one movie became the prequel. 
If, look, if you're, if you're the type of person like me who loves the prequels, you can watch them, watch Rogue One, watch the sequels, or the originals, then watch the sequels. You, you can watch them all in order and, and be happy with it. But if you're, you're bitter about the prequels with George Lucas, fine. You never have to watch them again if you don't want to. Rogue One is such a good movie that you can start right there. Hell, if you're kind of like, you know, embarrassed because, you know, you don't want to tell people that you like a movie with Jar Jar Banks, and you're like, hey, no, I don't want to recommend the prequels. Hell, you can, you know, if somebody who's never seen Star Wars before and you want to get them started, just tell them, hey, you can start at Rogue One, because really, they can start at Rogue One, and it, they'll never really miss anything important. And I say that because, honestly, the prequels were never needed. I said that before as well. I've always wanted to see the sequels more than the prequels. You guys know that. I've said that a million times. Uh, so, going forward, you can start at Rogue One if you want to, and just go forward from there. Rogue One is a masterpiece of a movie. And amazingly enough, it was a movie that Lucasfilms had, you know, top uh, honchos like uh, Kathleen Kennedy and uh, some of the main writers came in uh, you know, halfway through the uh, cutting or editing of the movie and said, yeah, we need to go back and shoot some other sequences because uh, there's some stuff that needs to be added to make this a perfect movie. And they went and did that. And that's why I have so much confidence going forward with uh, the, the regime you know, putting it together right now at Lucasfilms because it really seems like they have their like their hand on the pulse of what the fans want, of what you know is good for Star Wars. And I loved, well, again, I loved Rogue One. Whatever they it. did, they put Gareth Edwards back into my good graces again because I love yes. the movie Monsters. I thought he had such promise and such talent, and I was just I, – and then God Silly happened, and I'm like, well, that was short-lived. And then, like, he comes out with Rogue One, and maybe he had help, like you're saying, like the, the, the Lucasfilm execs came in. But, I mean, like, I'm happy that they did it because they actually restored a little bit of faith that I had for, like, an up-and-coming director that I thought was cool. And he proved to me that he actually was. He just had one shit movie. So I got to give him that, too, because, like, Gareth, mm -hmm. Gareth Edwards is one of the few people that actually has kind of a vision that's coming up in Hollywood right now. No, but they, they, this is a fact. It's not me really just uh, saying maybe it's speculating or anything. They came in and they said, we need to reshoot some stuff and uh, add some scenes. And In fact, I think the whole Vader sequence at the end was redone and, and added Vader in the hallway sequence fighting and killing the rebels. Uh, I think that was all reshot later on uh, in reshoots uh, because it wasn't in some of the, some of it supposedly didn't gel. Oh, yeah. Well, if you watch the trailers, remember, like, they got all these different shots of Jenner right. in, the, in, the, in the costumes and stuff. Correct. So don't see in the film, so um, lots, of shot, lots of shots of Vader that didn't make it into the film either. Correct. I mean, there's a lot of stuff they, they ended up shooting and then reshooting to just to you know, make it really you know work and be an, an organic movie, and they nailed it at the end of the day. But that would not happen if you didn't have a a system in place that wants to make the movies as perfect as possible, and B, a director who is very competent and knows that he has to play ball with a, with the studio, and that's what Gareth Edwards did. That's why they didn't fire him, like the like the two twits who like were working Josh on the Hans Trank. movie. Like Josh yeah. Trank also, because and he Colin played ball with them. They told him... They, they told me, hey, listen, uh, this uh, needs to be added, this needs to be done, we need to do this and this and this. And he played the part and he said, you know, okay, I'll do it, let's, let's go for it. He didn't say, oh no, I'm a visionary and I gotta do it my way. No, this is Star Wars. You gotta do it the way it's supposed to be because it has to follow a certain motif, has to have a certain element, a certain way of being, has to follow into what Star Wars is. Out. And we have more movies coming out. You can't fuck, you can't fuck this up. And Gareth Edwards understood that beautifully, and that's why I think he's an artist. And he was race. still an artist. He still made a visually beautiful film that's actually better shot than most any other Star Wars film. Probably yeah. after maybe, um, 
Empire. I mean, yeah, like, and, no, it, and nobody's his cinematography is gorgeous in that film, and you and never nobody's, hear people say that. And nobody's taking credit away from him as a director. No, no, of course not. Actually, yeah. I wish more studios did that. I was before um, you kind of went back into your point. I was going to say like if Fox had that kind of faith in Josh Trank and maybe like just worked with him instead of firing him, maybe we could have had a good Fantastic Four movie. Maybe maybe BVS wouldn't have been so bad if more studios actually took kind of mm-hmm. a proactive but not dickish approach at working with somebody that thinks they're a visionary but is young and kind of stupid. Yeah. Like the two twits who are working on the Han Solo movie. Which oh, again, the, tw- the 21 Jump Street directors that probably shouldn't have had that job to begin with. You know, it's yo, like, they came in and said they wanted to get Dave Franco to play Han. I was just like, no, why did you hire yeah. him? Of course they were going to get fucking Dave Franco. No, man. <laughs> I mean, first of all, look, a Han Solo spinoff movie is, it does not need to happen. We know everything we need to know about Han Solo. We met him when we met him. We saw him die when he died. And we, there was and a in fan between, film that was pretty good about Han Solo. Not yeah, and anymore. fan films are fine. We can have comic books. We can have books. We can have maybe cartoons, whatever you want to. Maybe even have a TV show based on uh, the timeline in between the movies or prequels in TV or something. But a, a, a full-blown movie... It doesn't really. Well, I mean, I don't need to. Even a prequel TV series, I'm not excited for because if they, want, if they want a narrative like that. There's actually Star Wars characters they could do, like Dash Rendar. They could do a right. Dash Rendar movie. I mean, it, we we do that for Han Solo. It kind of kills the the mystery of who he is when you first meet him in A New Hope. I mean, that whole sequence when when we first interact with Han Solo, we don't know where we're, where we're going with him. If he's a good guy or a bad guy, if he's going to betray the, the good guys, we don't know anything about this guy. But now, if we see him in, the, in a prequel movie, by the time we see him in and you hope I was like, oh, it's Han Solo. We know he's a good guy, right? You know, it yeah, kills the complete mystery. Hard. That it's no mystery anymore. So there, there's certain things that you do not need to do. And a Han Solo movie is not needed. It never was needed. I personally, I'm not even going to go see it in theaters. I'm not, that's how unexcited I am for it. Well, it that's the one on the Star Wars movie. I'm not I mis- mean, I'm not excited, but if it looks I'm not even. Even if the trailer looks good, I'm not going to go see it. I, that's the one movie I refuse to watch because oh, I don't no, want Ron it to Ron Howard's going. a pretty good director there, guys. Yeah, but he hasn't made a good yeah, movie in 30 directed years. Willow. I mean, yeah, Willow was great. But, but since then, I'd really have it like well, shit that he's done. I mean, he's won when, Oscar, when was that, Yeah, When was the last good movie he made 30 years ago? And, uh, he makes those really bad Tom Hanks movies where he fucking solves mysteries and time and ruins great conspiracy theories <laughs> that I love. <laughs> yeah, Ron, man. Haters. <laughs> Great contribution there. There you <laughs> go. But Willow was rocking. I'll give him Willow. That's about Glad all. I, I love that movie. Willow <laughs> is gangster, man. Willow's better than Shrek. Yes. I got um I got um an, an artist rendering of um Val Kilmer and I always forget that actor's <laughs> name. Oh, uh, uh, Warwick Davis. Yeah, signed by both of them. Brad Mulligan, you all great. Fucking love that. Yeah, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Fucking Will was. I'm, I really. Howard gets to do his sequel. Of that. Now, that's a, that is a Lucasfilm movie that I'm excited for. The Disney needs to put on the gas pedal on because I could give a shit about Han Solo. Willow 2, while Val Kilmer's still alive, it's <laughs> to fucking happen. Warwick Davis is down. Val Kilmer's down. Everybody's down. But Disney's just like, meh. I don't know why. Have you seen Val Kilmer these days? Yeah, no, he's not in good shape, but he wants to be in it. And Val Kilmer is about, dude. Val Kilmer is like on the last ride to like Sunshine Land. He's 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 on the path to the other side. I mean, he's he's not looking good. 
I'm a huge fan of his, though, and he wants to go out working like a lot of good actors have with cancer. So if that's his dream, I, I, I'm going to support him, and I'm going to watch him until he's done. Because yeah, but the problem, is, the, the problem is you can't put a, you can't put a, a production like that on the uh, back of somebody who might not make it through the production health wise. They, they will kill him in the first hour of the movie. I, I guarantee yeah, man. you. But you, you they'll, can't kill his character like that. That's too good of a character. <laughs> Mad Margin will die, but he'll have a kid, or the do- the the little girl, the magic little girl, will be grown up, and she'll be doing gangster stuff, and like they'll do some Ray shit with her. But yeah, Mar- yeah. Margin will pass away, give her the sword, and Willow will cry, and Kaya, and it would be awesome, man. Fucking make it happen, dude. I- I'm sold. I want yeah, it. Well. Yeah, he just sold me. Actually, yeah, let's go for it. I'm sold. Dude. <laughs> we'll do it. Ron Howard, make it so, number two. You know, and uh, this is uh, a Lucas property, so Ron Howard, Lucas Films. That's probably do why. It. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that's probably why Ron Howard agreed to take on this Han Solo. Because if, if this is a hit, they'll let him do his Willow sequel that he wants to do. Yeah, he, he got sure. it. He, he gave him a deal. It was He's a like, negotiating tactic. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> You hey, have man, to uh, make this hot solo movie okay, but... You know, I just noticed, uh, I was looking at Val Kilmer's IMDb page. I mean, him share a birthday. That's cool. Pow, pow. Nice. So I share a birthday with uh, Once Batman. All right. I share a birthday with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's oh. And, and, and Brazilian soccer football star uh, Pelé. He was born the same That sucks even more. extra though. He was in that awesome movie with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, dude, Victory. Yeah, Love that, that, that movie. Love that movie, yo. <laughs> you know how ironic it is that he, he's in the movie called Batman Forever, but he's only in that one movie, so he's not really Batman <laughs> Forever. Like, it's what kind Batman of tease is that? Movie. Yeah, Batman for one film. That's what they should have talked about. Batman for 90 <laughs> minutes. One story that I actually read that really had me surprised that came out recently is Tommy Lee Jones came out with about how bad he hated working with Jim Carrey in that movie. And I guess, like, they really antagonized one another. I'd have liked to have been on that set. That sounds like it would have been a fucking fun movie to have worked on just to see yeah. the, the drama that unfolded. Well, I know it, it was, uh, like, really a, a mixed bag of, like, actors when they cast that movie. Like, it was a weird casting. Yeah, I don't know what it was. We there, you know, it was involved, but somebody was high as fuck when they put that cast together for sure. Uh, I mean, at one point they were talking about of having like what Marlon Wayans playing Robin. Yeah, actually, yeah. no, he was going to be he was going to be in the third um, Burton movie. He yeah, was supposed he was gonna to be, be Robin in the Robin in. Well, he was supposed to be Robin in Batman Returns, but they changed their mind about having Robin in the second one. But that. Marlon Wayans, of all people, he's hilarious. I mean, sometimes he's he's cool, but like. Robin? No, no. Like no. Static Shock or Mr. Terrific, maybe, but maybe, Robin? Yeah. No. Yeah. And, of course, you know, there's uh, one retard in New York who claims he was almost Robin also, but that's a different story. Batman. Yeah, he's retarded. But anyway, um, moving on. Do we have any news at all this week other than uh, the, tra- the trailers that came out? Johnny? <laughs> Not that I saw, man, and, like, I don't know. We might actually be able to get through the top ten without you rushing it this week, so... Um, right? No. I mean, Comic-Con should... happened, but honestly, like, this is kind of a slow year for Comic-Con. They didn't have anything new for Star Wars. Um, 
and the, the Justice League it was kind of the only thing that was pretty cool. I mean that yeah. I, that I come out of it. So, I mean, just a trailer. That's really it's been kind of a, it feels like it's been a slow week, man. Right? A slow couple of weeks in the world of movies and comics, and it's been kind of like, it's funny because this kind of segues perfectly into uh, the top ten list. It's it's even been a, a very slow box office in the last uh, couple months. Box office uh, results have been down, as uh, some of you know, and uh, you know it's uh, not getting any blame, better. Blame streaming, blame streaming video. Everybody just wants to watch everything at home. Nobody wants to go to the movies. <laughs> that, or I think everybody's saving their money for the next couple of months, where we have uh, movies like Justice League and uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, up. yeah, back yeah. to back. I don't you know, know, man. I'm I'm gonna go see 2049 again. See if maybe I was wrong about a couple parts because I started rethinking about a few things and thinking I I, I thought I knew what happened and I I might be wrong. So that's definitely gonna get another 12 bucks from me. But and I hope other people take that initiative because this is this movie is fucking beautiful. This is something is. that you should see on the big screen. Even if you think it's boring, it is fucking beautifully boring. And even when Ryan Reynolds, or not Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling. It is beautifully it's, boring, okay. <laughs> well, no, no, no. If you, if you think it's that way, I don't, I, people think the original Blade Runner is boring. I don't agree, but there's, there's this, this really crazy structure that Ryan Gosling looks around. It was like this orphanage, future orphanage, and it's, it's very decrepit. It's all industrial, but just the way it's filmed, it's just, it's artistic as hell. It's wonderful. It's probably one of the best things you'll see from Hollywood this year. So if you don't go see it because somebody told you it was boring, you suck. That's all I got to say about that one. Well, again, well, well again, you got to kind of look at it. It's going to be, a, it's going to have a cult following, just like the original Blade Runner. It really is. I'm, well, I'm going to watch it. it. it I was sold the minute I saw the trailer. I'm going to watch it. Oh, I, I never feared anybody yep. else on the show. I was talking about the listeners at home and all the people at sea, you know, fighting wars and stuff. They need to know this shit. <laughs> oh, they have to, Don. They have pow, to see. Pow. Yeah, they have to see this movie, yo. Even if well, they there we go. Oh, see you on even even if they stream it on the what their uh, in their library in New York, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's right at the library. <laughs> Remember, watch it legally, guys. Well, this legally, is, this one I'm not kidding, dude. I would actually probably want, get the headache from seeing it in 3D just to see if it actually looked as fucking cool as it poss- probably could in 3D. Probably, because remember, these movies are all made now for 3D and stuff. So I'm gonna watch it on IMAX guys. 3D. Oh, that's what we do. Let me know how it looks, man, because I'm going to go see it again in 2D, but if it actually looks bitching in 3D, because I haven't seen anybody that's seen it in 3D yet, if you say it's, the visuals are even better, like, I'm there. I don't know. I'll, I'll get the head I'm going to check it out this week, man. I'm going to go check it out this week. Well, let's uh, kick off the uh, top ten list here, guys. Here we go. I'm going to go ahead and start it off. Uh, number ten this week, down from number six, is Fox's uh, Battle of the Sexes. Uh, Sexes, uh, brought in 2.4 million dollars this weekend, and uh, this is starring Emma Stone, Steve Carell, Elizabeth Shue. I didn't even know she was still acting, and uh, Sarah Silverman. Whatever. So it's a comedy. Yeah. 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 Alan Cumming is in this, so you know it's funny. Oh, okay. yeah. No, it's a yeah. comedy. Period. One of our, and a couple of our favorites, uh, Eric uh, Christian Olsen from Dumb and Dumber Er is in this also. Uh, Bill Pullman is in this movie also, so hey, it's a 
pretty interesting uh, mix of uh, cast there. Uh, directed by Jonathan Dayton uh, and uh, Valerie Ferris, the dual directors. Uh, movies brought in about a total of $7 million, uh on an unknown budget. So it's a brand new movie. Uh, it's been out for only a few weeks and uh, it's, uh, you know, independent. It's a small, low-budget movie. Uh, I'm sure it's called Battle of the, of the Sexes. Uh, go check it out if you have a chance if you want to see something like that. But uh, it's... It was number six last week, and it's number ten this week, so pretty big drop-off. It's on its third week. Uh, number nine this week was number five last week, Sony's uh, The Flatliners reboot. Oh, Any of you guys see this uh, yet? No? That actually, that, that's actually out? No, I didn't even know that was out already. I'd seen the trailer. It's brought in, brought, in, brought in 3.8 million this week. Uh, it's spreading about twelve uh, million on a nineteen million dollar budget. Eventually, this will, you know, it, it'll turn a profit and uh, it'll break even, turn a profit. But it's not doing very well. It's it's a bust. It's another movie that did not need to happen. It, it stars though a pretty decent cast, and Kiefer Sutherland is in this. Diego Luna is in this. Ellen Page is in this. Produced by Michael Douglas. I mean, it, you, you would think the ingredients are all there for a really kick-ass movie. Did but you see the trailer though. I mean, like, yeah, that's I was the problem. I was more excited for Bye Bye Man, Jack. To tell you you know what I'm saying? That, that was the problem. I, like, I, don't, I don't understand how this failed because it has such a, a good cast and, and people put together to make this happen. So, uh, But Flatliners, I mean, it was a decent movie back in the day, but this, does it really need to be remade? Probably not. You know, it's one of those. Just because it's one of Joel Schumacher's actual good movies doesn't mean you have to ruin it, people. Jesus. Right. <laughs> uh, number, eight, number eight this week, uh, Victoria in Abdul, which uh, fell from uh, actually rose from number eleven, so this actually uh, had a little positive from Focus Studios at four point one million. And uh, I have not seen uh, this movie, Victoria and Abdul. Huh? You guys? It's a Focus feature oh. movie, and with that name, it's probably no. like a rom com about mixed race couple. Sounds like it's um, it's a story about Queen Victoria and yes. one of the people that's oh. one of her friends, quote unquote, some Abdullah guy. Yes, and it's the story between them from back in the day. It's you have to be a history buff or British to like really want to watch this or intelligent to understand. You know, to know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really high. Good job by you. It's, Good yeah, job by you totally for knowing right. that, because I had no idea. Pow, pow. Yeah, see, I just thought it was a rom-com kind of like... See, you're way off. <laughs> no, dude, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number seven this week, uh, the Lego Ninjago movie. Uh, it's actually... That yeah. movie's hilarious. Down from number four <laughs> last week, it brought in six point seven million. Uh, Warner Brothers, uh, you know, this one it's kind of like uh, could be a little bit of a bust compared to the last uh, Lego movies they made. Uh, but it, like you said, it look, it's you thought it was hilarious. I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, how can you go wrong with Jackie Chan, Dave Franco? I mean, Justin it, Theroux, you man. know, it's yeah. funny. Dave Michael Pena, yeah. comedy is great. Just don't get him as Han Solo. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. No, Dave Franco, I have no issues with Dave Franco, but he's, he's just gonna not be, He's going to be great in, in Disaster Artist. Oh, God, he looks so good as... Um, he looked like Greg Sestero. <laughs> Especially with facial hair. I didn't think he would, but he does. The only thing is, um, I wish James Franco did the voice better. He He's not quite got the the proper Tommy Wiseau weird-ass voice. Right, he doesn't have it yet. Well, um, isn't it... Sounds too much yeah, like that's, himself. G- that's James Franco, though, right? No, Dave Franco plays the uh, the other star of the film. He plays, he plays the um, best friend. He plays. The, the, uh, oh, okay. So yeah, they're both in it. Yeah, they're both in it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, number six this week, uh, and uh, this is a movie from Universal Studios, American Made, uh, down from number three 
Last week, uh, it's on his second weekend, about an $8 million on the box office this weekend. American Made, of course, starring the one and only Tom Cruise. People say it's Ooh. one of his really good ones. They said that it's yeah. up there with, like, the first Jack Reach around, and um, what was that one that everybody liked? Go- not Ghost Protocol, um, Phantom Nation or something? Yep. Like the real, They're saying it's that good. Now it's not a uh, a big budget wide release, so it, you know it's making decent money. It's going to break even pretty soon, actually, because it has a fifty million dollar budget, which is pretty decent. Uh, but it's not like one of his hundred million dollar movies, you know. Uh, fifty million dollars, it's almost at a hundred million domestically. Uh, he, I mean, he's re- he's rebounding for the mummy base. Yeah, from the um, yeah, yeah. trying to make uh, up for the. Uh, Worldwide, the movie's almost at $100 million. It's about $30 million domestically, uh, $68 million foreign. So it's at a, almost at $100 million. So it's about to break even this week and then profits, you know, weeks after that. So it's uh, turning a profit. So that's good for Tom Cruise because he needs a hit at this point after the Mummy uh, debacle. Uh, so they've got American Made starring Tom Cruise, uh, directed by Dung Lehman. Uh, this week, they did ass is going to be jumping on the couch somewhere. That's for sure. That's what I'm saying. Where's Oprah? Uh, so that's number six this week. Number five in a movie that I was, I'm surprised it's not doing better because of the first one uh, being as good as it was, and uh, or at least as popular as it was. Kingman, Kingsman, the Golden Circle by Fox, brought in 8.1 million this week, and it was number one last week, but it fell down to number five this week. So that's a big drop off. It is already at a 29 million dollar domestic uh, take. But it has a $100 million budget, so it's, uh, while it will break even, it, it's kind of uh, in between. Um, big hit and, you know, it's kind of underperforming a little bit. Uh, worldwide, though, it's doing really well, and that's what really is saving its ass. Uh, has any of you seen it yet or no? Yeah, yeah it's, it, it. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. If you like the first one, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It, it carries on the fun. It's, it's a lot more of the insanity. It doesn't live up to, to being as good as the first one, but no. it, it, it's 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 a solid, um, fun little flick, man. If you like, it's the a, first it's a one good watch. Head. If you like the first one and you like action and ridiculous things, that you go, what the hell just happened? You watch that. That's pretty good. Wow. Now it was entertaining. Number four this weekend, coming in new at the box office, a movie that never needed to get made, but it was My Little Pony the movie. What? Are you, are you joking? That, oh, that, we know that's we, got a, we got a guy up in the library in New York that's probably really excited for that. Yes, oh, he's we a know brony? one. Yeah, he's he's a we know one guy who's a brony. He's a brony. He's a brony. He's a brony. Oh God! And he still tries to find people on YouTube, and he's a. Anyway, the movie, step out front of bots, man. the movie made $8.8 million, which is shocking in itself. <laughs> and it, it, uh, it opened at number four. I know one person bought at least 50,000 tickets by himself. Uh, <laughs> I'm not giving that, with, oh, I'm not giving that movie any more shine, yeah. but let's go to number three this they week. Actually, they actually made one? No, I never yes. even seen a trailer for that shit. Johnny, they, they made, they made the movie, yes. It's sadly, but it's true. It's let's not talk it, about it anymore, it man. Available, yeah, that's, I'm going to have to watch my headset now. And I'd yes. rather watch a biopic on the the new kids on the block, I swear to God. Again with that. Moving on, number three this week, and uh, now from number two last weekend, <laughs> the global Warner Brothers phenomenon that is the movie It. Yeah. Wonderful, oh. wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Brought in $9.6 million this week. It 
has already uh, established a domestic total of 304 million uh, and uh, 298 foreign, so it's crossed 603 million dollars worldwide. Pennywise is going to get his own shared universe at yes. this point. Fuck people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, production yeah. budget on this thing. The sequel. They got to do. Well, the of sequel. course, you're going to do the sequel, but oh. you're going to have a prequel, and he's going to have spin-off movies. They're going to have like Pennywise Rogue One and shit. Like, yeah, like, Pennywise Rogue One. has <laughs> <laughs> made way more money than. Anybody ever even dreamed it would? I mean, it, it's that's just because in- there's no good horror movies nowadays. They have well, that's to. Horror, but you got to go well, on Netflix and watch the IFC Midnight shit that they put on there. The movie, yeah. the movie went on. The, the production budget was thirty-five million dollars, guys, and that alone tells you this is going to get many, many sequels because that's a huge profit uh, on Hell that movie. Yeah. Number two this week, uh, and it's new on the scene, it's uh, The Mountain Between Us by Fox with $10.1 million. It's uh, brand new. I have not seen it. It's starring uh, Idris Elba, Kate Winslet, and uh, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, pretty decent Isn't cast. Is it a true has. story? I thought it was yeah, pretty story. Still? Yeah, just yeah. like American Made. It's another movie Bull Bridge, based on Bull something Bridges. that actually happened. Yeah, Bo Bridges in this, so I'm gonna probably check this out. It looks, uh, really good. Uh, The Mountain Between Us, uh, so check that out, number two this week. Number one this week, and I'm rushing because we have only a few minutes left in the show here, but number one this week is Blade Runner 2049, which, number one, uh, but it is, uh, considered underperforming. It only brought in 31 million at the box office, which is kind of a little bit, under what they thought it would bring in, especially on a $150 million budget. I mean, this movie needs to be massive uh, for it to recoup that budget. That's bringing at least $300 I, million worldwide. I think a lot of people were so. waiting for word of mouth, and since it's all coming back positive, I think it's going to have a great second week. I was Play waiting it. for that. I was waiting for somebody to yeah. tell oh. me it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. See, a I, lot of people are because a lot they're making these nostalgia bait movies with the, the member Barry. Hey, you remember this? This was great, huh? It's back, and most of them don't have a payoff. This one is actually worth watching. Unlike, well, you know, I'm like gonna, Terminator movies and Alien movies and stuff they're making. Yeah, let's not go there uh, because you know some of them suck, some of them are decent. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna check it out this week. I'll let you know next week what I thought of uh, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I. It, it's number one this week. Hopefully, it has legs if it's good, and uh, hopefully, it makes its uh, production budget. Because I, I'd like to see where they can go, in, you know, further with this storyline, and maybe make a third. Yeah, there's supposed fifth, to be so. at least one more. If they, oh, if, do they have planned sequels? They got oh, planned yeah. for this one. At least one more if this one is a success. So nice. Yep. Guys, we're all out of time. That's the top ten box office results for the week. We got the uh, Richard Arnold's Paranormal Code coming up next here on PSN Radio, and. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, thanks, uh, K1, for calling in uh, last hour and uh, joining us for a little ranting and raving on great all things. Uh, yeah, great battle. All, all things Star Wars. Uh, even though he's normally typically wrong when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> pow, pow. You know, but uh, at least he uh, he's intellectually uh, solid enough to call in and actually talk back and forth and make no sense most of the time. But still, he talks back and forth and he tries. Damn hard he tries. Uh, so thank you, K1, for calling in. Guys, thank you for uh, being on the show with us uh, here tonight and joining us, uh, you know, for everybody here on the round table. Johnny Alpha for uh, Zod Ryder. Yeah. Yep. For Jason Justice. I can smell the rain. That's right. And for myself, Angel Espino, a.k.a. The Jackal, this is the Roundtable Show on PSN-Radio.com. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully. If not, maybe in a couple years. Who knows? Who, who knows anymore? I have no Peace idea. out.
Thanks for having me.